Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in Northwest Pennsylvania. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us. We have a great program lined up for you. Coming up here shortly will be Kate Daly from Kate Daly Radio. Um, you can listen live to Kate Daly 1 to 4 p.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Friday. Do the math for your own particular time zone, but she's a, uh, she's on, uh, uh, Kate Daly Radio, it's the Fox, uh, Fox affiliate. And, uh, right, right on top, right at the tip of the spear, many important issues. Really a great talk show host, a great, uh, a great, a great source of information. If you haven't, if you, if you haven't listened to her at all, definitely go to Kate Daly Radio. That's katedalyradio.com. And there you'll find, uh, just a, an array of, of topics that she's discussed over the over the last uh, couple of days, and you can go to Sir SoundCloud as well and expand on that. But follow her; she's uh, she's got a lot of great information. I want to thank Global Star Radio, where we broadcast live as well, for carrying us and BTR Blog Talk Radio, uh, all for your uh, your belief and trust in us. Thank you so much. It's been you know it's been it's been a long week. I don't know about but 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 you guys, but man, doesn't it seem like a long week. Oh my goodness, it, it has. It's, uh, but having said that, um, the Independence Day holiday is coming up next week. That's a good thing. And of course, celebrating this country's independence. But are we truly independent as people? And, you know, as, as, uh, how much, how much independence have we lost here over the last 20, 30, 40, 100 years? I, I, I would say a lot would want everyone to think about that during their festivities next week. But uh, having said all of that, uh, folks, visit our sponsors. You've got Green Innovative. Don't forget about the contest with Green Innovative. Uh, you've got... Yeah. Uh, and uh, just on that real quick, the, yeah, uh, go ahead. Uh, Alan Riggs from Green Innovative um, has put together a contest. What you do, folks, if you want, uh, send emails to Alan Riggs or send them to the studio and I'll forward them to Alan because I know we've gotten some of the emails. In studio, the studio at hagmanandhagman.com Yeah, studio at hagmanandhagman.com uh, Write a, a short piece about the when you needed power and you did not have it and you will be entered to, to win um, one of, of several of uh, Alan Riggs uh, Green Innovative yeah, uh, great, great power stuff, packs that, that have everything that you need for recharging batteries, and um, all the details are on greenovative.com, and we'll have more on that later. Yeah, so some really, some really great, uh, great things. I'm amazed, folks, at the uh, at what's happening with the corporate media on the progressive side. MSNBC, they're losing their minds. What, what little uh, they have left of theirs? You had uh, Chris Wallace, somewhat suggestive of Kushner being taken out that is murdered how can they get away with this you know um 
it's interesting because also if you go on, on Drudge, you'll, you'll see three back-to-back headlines. Matthews is one. And then, of course, a man accused of um, threatening to kill a lawmaker rattles off Republican names in a courtroom outburst. Yeah, that's, you know, typical today in the wake of the Scalise uh, shooting, the shooting in Alexandria. Uh, Scarborough, of course, Joe uh, Joe Scarborough. Joe, I got two words for you. Lori Clozudis. Remember? Again, every chance I get, I'm going to remind you, Lori Clozudis. You know, a lot um, of people are, um, in case you don't know, that's the Right, intern that's the that's, intern that, in that 2001 that was right. found, uh, with her skull bashed in. But it was. On his office floor, and, uh, he yeah. shortly resigned, he re- resigned shortly after that. One thing I just want to say about all this, this, President tweeting stuff with Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. It's kind of funny to me uh, to see these these funny, li- uh, or funny, no, ironic. funny, ironic to see these uh, uh, so-called you know journalists who aren't even really journalists talk about you know what's presidential and uh, you know is he is Trump uh, doing something that degrades the office of the presidency by tweeting and, and issuing personal attacks? I'll say no, he's not doing anything wrong, and for these people. Who sit there and lie about him day after day? Ninety-nine percent of the stories they cover are negative, and they aren't even true to begin with. For them to name call and, and try to associate him with with being a hater and a racist uh, under the guise of of their journalistic integrity, uh, the only journalistic integrity they have, um, you know, it, it's an, even an insult to actual journalists out there because all these people do are they're paid millions of dollars to continue to to spout off talking points. Uh, directly from George Soros, Barack Obama, Eric Holder, and Hillary Clinton that are furthering destroying this country. That's what these people do. These people are paid to destroy this country. And for them to, to uh, you know, one, out of one side of their mouth for the last year, just name call, lie, and tear him down and try to bring the presidency down. And, and more so than that, I take it as a personal attack because they're not, it's not that they hate Donald Trump and hate, uh, you know, his it's his agenda that they hate, and they hate his supporters, the American people, us. Well, I think they hate him too. Though, well, they but... do because he's the face of it. Uh, but their hate is more aimed at the people who support him and the agenda he supports. But for these uh, teleprompter readers who call themselves journalists to talk about integrity of any position, professional position, is a joke. Because first and foremost, these people aren't journalists; they're paid talking heads to to, and they're paid to spread dissent and hate and lies and further divide this country. So, uh, you know, if these are the same people that, that uh, you know, defend Islam and terror attacks, uh, then if they're they're talking bad about Trump over this, he's doing something right. Yeah, I, I would think so, and I agree with you on that. And uh, I'm glad to see some fire in your gut on, on that, because uh, more often than not, it's me with the fire in the gut, and it's unpleasant. Uh, but, yeah, Mika Brzezinski, how dare you? How dare you? speak of our president that way you know had we spoke of obama that way uh the the guy who believed you walked on, or uh, that you believed walked on water apparently um how you know we certainly couldn't have gotten away with that and uh joe uh lori clizardus uh scarborough how dare you as well and, and they also had a couple of other uh, others appear on msnbc uh i'm not even going to give the name recognition to to, to these these mopes that appear and uh, are, are nothing more than schoolyard bullies, but but we're seeing this. But but, but see, we're seeing this this uh, we're, we're seeing this develop. We're, we're seeing this hatred 
increase. We're seeing the ideological chasm uh, widen and deepen. We're seeing the um, we're seeing a lot a lot of things take place that I'd never thought would take place in my lifetime. Um, however short that might be, but uh, it's 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 crazy. But we've got Kate Daly coming up and uh, the Kate Show on the Blaze, by the way. Uh, and she she's got a fantastic radio show. Tune in Monday through Friday, Mountain Time, by the way. And let me get this one to four Mountain Time. Yeah, you can hear her. It's a fantastic show. I was listening to her today, and I it's kind of I, I had a laugh out loud. She said, "Going on uh, Hagman Report today. No idea what we're going. No, no idea what I'm going to talk about. Um, which, I man, I, I okay. When when I go this week, Infowars, I no idea what I was talking. I I don't know. Just show up, and uh, I guess you know they'll let me know when I get there." And a few other shows as well this week for me. We have Kate with us. Kate, we do. Are we? Hey, hey. how are you guys? Good. I missed you. <laughs> I missed you. I mean, I'll tell you what. It's great. It's great just, to see and have some, you. Uh, yeah, just some housekeeping real quick, Kate. Um, sure. Apparently, we don't. I don't know if you're coming on a video or not, but we're not seeing the video. Oh. Hmm. Let me try and fix that. I'm a little challenged in this area. I have to admit, guys, I'm uh, not my forte, so I'm I'm working on trying to get this up for you. Okay. And I really apologize. No, no worries. No worries. I'm also losing my voice. It's been a long week of radio, as I'm sure you can probably imagine. Oh, so yeah, you well, guys too. So it, I'm so happy to be here, though. Well, we're happy to have you. And if the if the video doesn't come up, um, it's our loss. But uh, oh, hey. We have your, Hi. we have liftoff. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. This is good. Uh, pre- I'm a little weathered, you know. It's the end of the week, guys. <laughs> it's a Friday. What can I say? Oh, yeah. man. Kate, let's you just kick. Look, you guys look great. Look at you. You look hot. <laughs> uh, just, what are you, what are you turning around for? You guys look awesome. I, I didn't know if you were talking about us or not. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> No, seriously. You know, we should just kick. It is Friday. Kick back, relax a little bit. Absolutely. And let's just have a conversation. You had a great week uh, this week. You covered a lot of ground. Uh, I, I, I kept getting. I, I caught you like. Uh, I listened to you on archive. Uh, and so, you know, I'm kind of out of order. Uh, but but you covered a lot of stuff. I'm out of order on the daytime show too, and and it's the uh, you can go to katedallyradio.com and catch a live stream of the show each day, and I do two different shows, and and I'll, I'll tell you it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm constantly going down the rabbit hole, and I know you guys are too. It's addicting. I, I love it. I was up till four in the morning last night going down the rabbit hole again, and <laughs> there's just little things, right? They just draw you in, and you you just have to just figure out the rest of the story and there's just something about that that I'm just so addicted to and I, I I there's just so much to uncover and expose and I think that's why we love doing what we do. Exactly. Absolutely and, and folks I'm smack that rabbit by the way. I, if I ever catch it I'm gonna smack it. <laughs> and folks uh, give it a volume. <laughs> the um yeah. some of the archives that uh, actually uh our, our producer John Robertson was just on on Kate's show. Yeah um, he was great. He's yeah. fabulous. Just a few weeks ago, so so guys, check that out. Um, that was a great interview. Yeah, we, I listened, we to, listened I was, to it while we were in studio. Yeah, uh, in yeah. here, and it was fantastic. It was fun. Oh, he's always fun. He's always great. He has a lot of good information too, because everybody wants to know what's going on in Hollywood, and and we should know what's going on there because they're delivering our entertainment for Pete's sakes, and so we've got to know what's happening. And and there's so much going on in the world. I mean, 
abroad and, and, uh, with our money situation, our economy right now. And I mean, honestly, isn't there 20 topics you could tackle every hour? And it's just trying to pick which one. You know, something I got an email, uh, from someone, uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll, we'll have a guest on. I'll say, where do you want to start? And <laughs> the, uh, the email I got was, Individual says, well, you know, that, that shows you haven't done your homework. No. Yeah, unprofessional. It's like, uh, right. uh, no, we did a lot of homework. I just don't know where to start. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know. But, so it's so true though. Oh, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to know. You know, I was jumping down. Do you have a few minutes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on. Sit okay. down. Let's grab a cup was, of coffee. Okay. I was jumping down a rabbit hole the other night and a while back I had read the assertion. There was an assertion made that uh, the IMF owned the Federal Reserve. And I thought that's a little curious because the, what's out there for the public consumption is that the Federal Reserve owns the IMF, right? And they're always pushing that narrative and they're pushing the fact that the, the Federal Reserve basically owns everything else. And, and United States is always in charge, okay? So consumer confidence is up because the Federal Reserve owns it, even though the Federal is not Federal nor a Reserve. We all know this. So this was interesting. So I started kind of kind of jumping down that rabbit hole just a little bit. And we all know what happened back in um, 44 Nations at Bretton Woods, uh, New Hampshire, uh, July 1944, right? Mm-hmm. And the World Bank was established, and that was to make long-term uh, reconstruction loans after World War II and development loans, and the IMF sort of sprang up, okay? And at the same time, the uh, BIS, or BS, but BIS, let's just be fair, BIS, uh, Bank of International Settlements, uh, was the big bad bank, and they were the big global bank. And, and the narrative out there was that the U.S. government had a historical distrust of the BIS, which, which we know was BS, because we didn't have any kind of distrust, but that's what was out there. So well, let's buy that as the narrative. So we go on to this conference, and out springs the IMF. And all of a sudden, uh, this new, this new development of this global banking institution develops. And, uh, the BIS is still there. That's the banking institution, uh, the banking settlements, which is in, uh, Switzerland. But we have all of these different sort of, uh, like a conglomerate of different, uh, banking sort of uh, global entities, okay? If you will. And so here we have a situation where the Federal Reserve back from 1944 we say owns the IMF. And so I thought it was kind of interesting because I could never find anything. And I thought, that's kind of weird. Never find anything, never find anything. So I was looking at the Federal Reserve website. And this is kind of interesting. And I thought, okay, so I get down to the bottom. There's 18 solid pages on how to how they're promoting and selling us on promoting world financial stability, how they have to be in the world financial markets. 18 pages of this gook. So you get down to the bottom, and they're discussing all the global markets. And I found this to be kind of interesting. They discuss each one in detail and their relationship to them. And when they're discussing G7 and G20, they're saying they engage on a regular basis with them. When they talk about Financial Stability Board, they say we have enhanced cooperation. When they talk about the BIS, they say we participate in deliberation. When they talk about central banks, they say we cooperate with. But when they get to the IMF, they say we report to. Doesn't that kind of sound like boss? <laughs> I thought that was really wow. interesting. Because if they actually do own the Federal Reserve, I thought that's kind of a different twist on things that maybe public for public consumption 
that would sort of lead to a whole host of other problems. Not that the Federal Reserve has its own problems already, as the public was really aware of how unconstitutional it is right now. But but then take that another step further to the complete unconstitutionality of it being owned by by a global entity like that, where they're basically calling the shots. That would be very interesting. Do we still own? Do we still owe uh, income tax? Hmm, I don't know. So I just I want to draw that conclusion, and then also draw the conclusion about how cavalier the IMF was when all the money disappeared out of our accounts in 2008 and 2009. It's kind of like if you owned a home and the renters stayed a little too long and you won them out, and you were a little cavalier about saying it's my house, get out, because. They are in the loan business. What the IMF does is they don't rescue people. They basically are the mafia. So what they do is they go into a company, a, a country, and they say, you take our multi-gazillion dollar loan, and if you don't, we're going to make you the big bad dictator that gasses his people. We're going to tell everybody you're the mortal enemy. We're going to come in, take you out, kill you, and put in somebody that will play ball with us, and you're either going to take our loan or you're going to do that. And if you don't do that, well, you're out. And so... They have all the muscle, all the mafia behind them. They have, they're, they're it. They're the global elitist banking, uh, situation in, in the globe right now. And I, I find it very interesting that it's downplayed a lot and that, uh, that over here, the, the narrative propaganda line is that the Federal Reserve is more in charge when we know it's not. And they were very cavalier about the fact that we had money disappearing out of our accounts and, and oops, sorry, too bad. You know, too bad everybody went broke. Darn. And, uh, I just, when you start to sort of look at everything maybe in, through a different light or a different lens, it becomes very interesting. Yes, and so those are the rabbit holes I go, I go down. I love that. And, and no, it is very interesting. And when we think about you know, the, uh, politics in this country and the political theater that we have with the media and the, the left and the right and the constant, you know, divide and conquer tactics. That's one of the primary reasons that they continue to, to employ these tactics is because if everybody came together, put the, putting the political ideology aside and focused, you know, their energy and the real, uh, enemies of this country, which are the, you know, the global banking cartels, they would have a real problem, but you're you're exactly right. It is just like the mafia. They do, uh, you know, construct and deconstruct nations based on their monetary policy and who will play ball with them. We saw that with Gaddafi. We see it with Assad. We're seeing it with Iran and also with North Korea. And unfortunately, the the, the majority of the people, ninety five percent of the people in this country, don't even understand that the Federal Reserve is not federal and is owned by an international conglomerate of of gangsters. Oh, you're so right. And, you know, the BIS was, uh, well, basically owned by eight families, right? Those eight families controlled the central banks, uh, almost all the Western developing nations. But, it, and, and of course, the Rothschilds are at the helm. I think the Rockefellers are more of the, I don't know, kind of a little bit more of the gopher involved, but, but the, but the Rothschilds are at the helm of, of most everything. So it is, it is interesting when you get into what is owned, how they own it and all the different facets that they can control and do control and, uh, and then pass off as, um, as something else. And so we're, whenever we're led to believe that something else is in charge, always look the other way. It's like squirrel, you know, always, <laughs> always go to the other side of the spectrum because that's where you're going to find something. Like right now in, uh, in, in matters abroad, what are they not talking about? You know, what are they not talking about? 
We're, we're not, well, China came up today, but we haven't been talking about Turkey as much. We haven't been talking about China as much. We're, I always try and go to the countries that we're not bringing up in the news as much because usually there's something happening there that we need to be aware of. Venezuela. Venezuela is a great Venezuela. example of this, you know, the, the socialist utopia that is Venezuela, you know, continues to deteriorate day by day. Protesters are being shot in the street and you'll, you know, you barely kind ever kind see like it in Chicago, the media. But yeah, well, Illinois is headed right down that same path. But Should they divide it up? Do you think all the uh, the neighboring states will take a piece? Who's going to get Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> I think they kind of, I think they paid not to have it before right. they take it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the stick nobody wants in the draw. Oh, uh, you know, I, I've often wondered. I, I posed this question the other day. What if uh, California, Hawaii, Oregon, and Washington sort of wanted to drift out on their own and become their own country? So we kind of led that one step further. Okay, so obviously they're going to run out of other people's money. They're going to go broke, and we all know that because obviously their system doesn't work. So then what? Okay, what if China comes in and owns them? Do we want China on our border? Because that's what would happen. So then what? You know, and how would America feel about that? And what would we do? What would you do? How would you feel about part of the United States going away and possibly being owned by another country? Yeah, that, 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 that's that's why I was never really enthused about that secession idea for right. a lot of reasons. That, of course, being one of them. Minus the secession, China already does own, well, uh, you know, uh, parts of our country and, and yeah, different states and yeah. you know federal land and and you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. But to have it on the books like that, yeah, it would pose a huge national security concerns, and I don't think it would be allowed to happen. They'd call it China Forna. <laughs> and, indeed, right? it'd be overt. <laughs> in other words, oh yeah. man, I, what, think about it. you were talking about that the uh, uh, Bank of International Settlements and, and the IMF. Uh, uh, sure. What really got me was the Exchange Stability Fund. I don't know how much if you've got gotten into the uh, Zero Hedge. I believe did a uh, or posted a series I think it was like four or five years ago. Five uh, YouTube or five video segments. Hey, have you seen that by chance? I haven't. I haven't. I'd be intrigued. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, you you want to talk about that? Just it's a, a must mu- be, huh? Oh yeah, you know that that rabbit hole is one that that um, yeah you're gonna, you're going to be seeing. You be up till five in the morning again? <laughs> exactly. Um, the Exchange Stability Fund it appears to be the, uh, the really the the, the mechanism that. I, the simplest way I know how to describe it would be the mechanism that funds all of our black projects. And if it's, 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 I'll send you the link because you can okay. get, man, uh, or just, uh, um, zero hedge exchange stability fund and have oh, I gotta fun. Check out. Oh yeah. Huh? Yeah. You'll, you'll be up for days. Great. Thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that one. <laughs> but, I owe you. <laughs> Folks, we're talking with Kate Daly, uh, the, the uh, Kate Daly Radio, the smartest, really the most intelligent, the intelligent uh, uh, woman I know, and the most intelligent. I'm serious. You've got more. Your research, your programs are fantastic. They, they, they really are. They're, they're very. Um, uh, I'm a very. Yeah, the content's great, and uh, I love the flow of the show. Oh yeah. A few times, me and him together have sat there and listened to the show. What, what the last one we listened to together was the. Um, uh, oh goodness, we were listening to it in in the office in there. Yeah. Uh, about Seth Rich and a number yeah. of. Um, I forget who it was that was on your show. You, it was some investigator. 
I've got nine co-hosts, and they are the secret sauce of the show, no doubt. They are amazing. Dave. I'm so lucky to have them. So, yeah, I think yeah it was Dave, Dave, Investigator Dave. Yep. yep. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. So I got all these great people that I surround myself with, all these smart people, and they come on the show, constitutional expert, Chris Ann Hall, and all kinds of just genuine, just amazing people that just want to tell the truth. And and I own the show, which is different, because I a lot of people out there don't have that opportunity, you know. We're all, we are all in a unique circumstance to tell the truth. And I don't know if people realize how, uh, how unique the opportunity is to do that. And, um, and I, I feel like I'm in a, a special, uh, special club, special place to do that. And I, I throw myself into the work because my gosh, you have, we have, we have a lot of exposing to do and we have to educate America. I have a lot of optimism in America here. July 4th is coming. Lots of optimism because if we can educate America, if America becomes very aware, then America has the courage to do something. It takes faith and it takes education and then courage and we just have to go through those steps. And so, uh, we can get there, but we just need, we just need to start telling the truth. And I, that's why I love what you guys do. I'm just a huge fan. So what well, can I say? Thank you. And we're fans of yours as well. Kate Daly Radio. And, and, uh, that's one to four mountain time and you're the blaze, uh, you're also the blaze. The blaze show. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Kate show. Yeah. All right. All right. And so, so but everyone can go, uh, katedalyradio.com is the place to go mm-hmm. for everything. And you can catch it 11 o'clock Mountain Time at night too, so it replays and uh, hooks right in. I'm on a Fox News affiliate, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> so maybe they don't listen. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but uh, I'm in Chicago and Tampa and Denver and about to go into about 43 more cities. And and what I love about it is we'll say things and it's like, wow, we just said that out loud. Um, but that's the problem in America. We should we should be able to say everything out loud and with vigor. And you know, the person that said you can't talk about uh, politics and religion—that's exactly the problem. We should have been talking politics and religion for a very, very long time in this country. We wouldn't be in this mess. Amen. I I, I second that. Kate, yeah. uh, we have a network break coming up. Three minutes, enough time for you to get uh, some uh, tea with a little bit of uh, honey and lemon. I'll fix it right. for you if I could. Uh, <laughs> folks, go to Kate's website. Yeah, KateDelayRadio.com. That's KateDelayRadio.com. Kate, Kate Daly. Okay, I'm sorry, Kate Daly. Yeah. Are you all right? It's Friday. Did you just Bye. on the? Uh, you okay? Folks, on, if you're watching on YouTube there, you can see the front of her page, and there are all the links to uh, to listen to the show, meet the co-host, advertise, and so much more. I like the, the phrase, be faithful and be fearless. You have to be in this day and age with what we are up against. Folks, we'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen of the Hagman and Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com. John, our producer, says, you got to class it up. And I said, how do we do that? And he said, Kate Daly. Um, so here we are. We're classing it up tonight with Kate Daly. Um, intellectually, Kate is just a great talk show host, uh, KateDalyRadio.com. Go there. Uh, so exciting that she's going to be expanding into... Uh, I think she said uh, 4,330 no, 43, cities. 43. No, Man, yeah. I love 43,000. No, uh, 43, yeah. That's amazing. But so be, cool. behind the enemy lines, though. So, yes. Well, so. yeah. Yeah. Liberal country. Yeah. I know. I know. But uh, seriously, folks, Kate Daly Radio and catch her program Monday through Friday. It's a fantastic program. She's got uh, nine co-hosts. It's extremely. It's just a great show. Um, you did. You there's a, uh, uh, a segment up today on your on your website about John McCain, his big lie. John McCain. John, what, Let's talk. what is going on with John? 
it's like John McCain and Nancy Pelosi are interchangeable. I don't, I, they could be the same person. They could be twins separated at birth at this point. I don't even know what they're doing. Um, they're both nuts. So, so the, the Senate mark, the, the markup of the Senate committee bill came out. And this is really scary, and I want people to understand the biggest lie ever told for money, uh, because we all understand what just happened with Comey, correct? Yep. So we all know that there's not one shred of evidence for Russia, uh, collusion for uh, the election. We all get it. We all know it. The whole world knows it. And so this is the deal. 2018 Pentagon funding bill. So this has basically gone through committee, and now it's going to go to uh, Senate. $705 $705 million uh, to Israeli cooperative missile defense programs, $588 million increase from the budget request. Um, but here's, here's the main crux of this thing, which I find rather, well, it's completely appalling. So, so McCain comes out and he basically talks about this bill and says that the, um, that, that Russia, that Russia has is a threat to our democracy that they have uh, colluded, that they inserted themselves in the election, and now, now there is reason to put our what's estimated as 15,000 troops and more equipment and a ton more money, 105 uh, more billion dollars, uh, on the Eastern Front permanently because they have colluded and this is the deal, and it's wrapped up in a bow, and I guess he has information that nobody else on earth has. And you know, what's interesting about this is he lies to get the cash to, uh, to put us over into Russia and says that they are aggressive and that they have threatened our value system. I guess we should just play the song Feelings because I guess they've threatened our feelings. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. I, I threatened our value system? Okay. And so, um, so we're supposed to, I guess, uh, retaliate now uh, with a, I don't know, maybe a full-blown war. So they have to spell out in the budget what they're going to do. And so he's saying, okay, permanently we're going to be putting uh, people on the ground over there. We, we need 15,000 troops and all this, all this ammo and all of these tanks and all of this stuff. And we're going to put it over there. And we're also going to arm the Ukraine uh, with more weapons. And this is what we're going to do based on the fact that we know that Russia did this. And I'm, I'm sitting here just a little befuddled because everybody in the world knows that they there's not a shred of evidence. So my question is this, and this is what people should be asking. Why aren't the senators coming out and saying, you're lying, McCain. Why are you lying to get this money padded into this budget? Why are you lying and saying that this is the truth when we all know everybody that has a brain cell or at least a brain stem at this point in America or around the globe know that there's not one shred of evidence. Why isn't anyone pointing this out? If you want to understand what collusion is on both sides of the aisle and how they pat each other's backs and, and play the same end game, here's a perfect little example of that. I can't even wrap it up in a bow tighter. It's, there you go. If, if people were worth their salt in the Senate or in the House, they would immediately jump on this and point it out. Immediately. Yep, exactly. And, and the, that does beg the question, why, why, why hasn't why hasn't hasn't it happened at all? Yeah. Uh, it's the Uniparty, of course, uh, and John McCain being the neocon that he is. Uh, just follow the money, though. I, I mean, we're we're talking about 
the, the, the money and of course who benefits and at the end of the day who does benefit of course it's that, that military um, uh, industrial complex that Eisenhower warned about um, that's pathetic you know. so, so but, but by doing so okay uh, provocative no uh, with respect yeah. to the positioning yes and and it's it is and it's like we want this we've wanted this for a really long time and we don't care whether the evidence panned out we don't care what was said we're going to do it anyway no one's going to question it no one's going to stand in our way and um we're going to get the money we need and we're going to go over there and we're going to we're going to stir up trouble and we're just going to make it happen i the american people should be demanding better and more and 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 explanations on these things and not taking this uh, from people like McCain, that the fact that people like McCain get back into office, uh, can you say bought and sold any more than a McCain, a Pelosi, a Hatch, a oh. uh, Einstein? Uh, I mean, these are the, this is the pinnacle of bought and sold. You you sell your soul in this office, and and I think it's so it's so uh, it's so pathetic. And and what's funny is it's the elephant in the room, and it's the elephant in the room known around the globe. It, I don't understand why we keep doing it. Unless it's just major voter fraud, which I've talked to John Rappaport so many times about the voter fraud machines and all of, you know, 30 some odd states. I get it. But wow, wow, they keep going back in. That's just got it. It's just a shocker. You know, it seems like, um, well, I, I always wondered about the amount of money it costs you to run a campaign versus the money that you get as a salary and even with the perks you know it just doesn't make any sense to me you know me neither i in fact i did a show the other day and i asked my co-host i said do you know who the second highest paid person in government is and he said and i said it's the postmaster general (laughs) (laughs) you can lose 600 million dollars a year but you get paid three hundred thousand dollars a year as the postmaster general it's so screwed up. I mean, the whole thing is just such a mess. But, um, but yeah, it's it, it, the the salary, the perks. You know what's funny about the uh, the race that that uh, that that we just won, right? The conservative side just won. Mm-hmm. I found that to be very very interesting. That nobody was questioning the money involved. Nobody questioned how many millions the other yeah. guys spent. Most right? expensive house race in U.S. Uh, history. Yeah, they just said they just said, well, this is what they spent. Doesn't anyone question that? Are oh. we not asking more questions? Come on. Exactly. Yeah. You're exactly right. You know, it's, yeah, no, it, you're 100% right. And you said a couple of things about, about Russia. You mentioned that. I, I, uh, was, uh, was listening to Sean Hannity and, uh, yesterday, I guess it was last night. He had, he had on a, a, a number of people, but six major scandals that the, Mainstream media is not covering. You've got the James Comey memo leak and possible Federal Records Act violation. Uh, incredible. You, you have Loretta Lynch's potential obstruction of justice and Hillary Clinton's uh, uranium or email scandal. You have John Podesta who testified uh, behind closed doors yep. in in front of the House Intelligence Committee yep. just yesterday, I believe it was, or the day before. Closed doors, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And then yeah. Susan Rice, she's going to be testifying also behind closed doors in the coming weeks. Yep. Uh, to the Senate oh. Intelligence Committee about the unmasking uh, controversy. So again, it looks like the public's going to be left out in that one. And when we talk about, you know, when we look at all these um, 
uh, investigations that they have uh, on Trump and the collusion or the hacking or the meddling or the probing or whatever the word for this week is. None of it has any basis in fact whatsoever, nor has it produced any evidence. But you have actual uh, actionable intel and real crimes on the other side through a lot of these investigations, and the media is silent about it. Sure. And I mean, these people are not objective. They're they're not uh, they're gatekeepers for for the the elite in this country. And it, it's going to take independent media like you and like us and many others and citizens journalists out there to you know push for these things and well, to get that. Joe, if I can back. ask you, Kate, uh, would you would you think about the uh, Project Veritas video of Van Jones and the uh, the other mope from Atlanta? Saying that Russia is just for ratings, basically. Did you? Did you no, um, is it for ratings? They want to make something of it. Um, but you know what's funny though is they're so stuck on the high school uh, exchanges uh, between uh, between Trump and between CNN uh, talking heads. Between um, they, they like the Russia story because the Russia story could have legs if they wanted it to. You know what I mean? It's always this this sort of elusive story that could be. And so they love that. But what I find kind of funny is as a woman, you know, Trump says somebody has a nice smile and everybody goes berserk. And women are, women are funny creatures. You know, it's like, look at me, but don't look at me. But look at me, but compliment me, but don't compliment me. Only compliment me when you, when I want you to compliment me. I mean, we're, we're, we're so weird. And so, and so the, these women livers, they can't make up their minds. They don't know when they want to compliment, when they don't want to compliment, and from who and not from who else. And so, you know, that's the stuff that they want us to talk about. That's the stuff they want all of America to be talking about. And it's because it's easy. It's low-hanging fruit. And the low-hanging fruit has always been sort of the woman card. It was kind of like the Susan Rice thing the other day in the, in the, on the front headlines. I don't know whether my victim card is black or woman. And so I thought, well, <laughs> you know, I'd love to pick my, my victim card. Um, and I think that we get so caught up in that low-hanging fruit that's so easy to argue about, and it's so easy to just to just end up with these silly, silly, gamey argument, weird arguments that that we never get to the substance. And that's why I like the shows that that you and I do is because at least we're getting to the substance and the education behind what's going on in America. But that Russia story has been invented from the very, very beginning. If anybody has Russia ties, it's been all of government from the very beginning. And I think it's just so funny because I know Russia's just kind of laughing because They've all had ties to Russia. Hillary's had ties. Podesta's had ties. Obama had ties. They all have had ties. I mean, don't you? Doesn't everybody remember when Obama was uh, ensuring them that in the second election that mm-hmm. everything would be a little more flexible? So they all have ties. That's why it's just such a funny game. It, and so what do they do? They chase the elusive story now, as if it's going to suddenly grow legs, and so they're going to make sure that they're on it when it does. That's so funny to me. It's like, what, what is that? What is that? Um, that animal that they made up, the jack jackalope, is that what it is? The jackalope oh. that everybody up, you know. <laughs> it's like chasing the jackalope. I mean, it's just so funny to me. You know what? Media will fall. CNN will fall because nobody trusts it. And even I, I don't even think a liberal can trust it anymore. Um, and it needs to fall. Banking needs to fall. Media needs to fall. They need to feel the consequence of their actions. And if they don't, they never learn. And so we've got to let, we've got to let Illinois fall. We've got to let them feel the consequence true. of their actions. True. We're Very just, true. You know, we're a nation that doesn't like to feel anything. 
you know, we just don't want to have to feel the hurt, but we're going to have to. So, yeah. With the um, with the the midterm elections coming up in in 2018, uh, you know, you just mentioned the Georgia election, and the uh, talking points are that you know the Republicans are are four and zero in these special elections, and mm-hmm. I get the sense that um, to some Republicans, even some of the never Trumpers, uh, you know, they they feel that this is a perfect time for them to be able to expand their power even more so than they, the, the hold they have on the house and, and Senate. Now my mm-hmm. concern is, is that I believe, you know, just because the Democrats have been decimated as a party, have no uh, solutions or ideas to run on and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have been basically anti-American that people are going to uh, maybe just vote for Republicans for the sake of voting for a Republicans. What are some of the things that we can do, to get real people to run for office, regardless of Democrat or Republican, but uh, real non-political people, um, even Donald Trump is a good example of never being a politician <laughs> and winning that election. But what are some of the things we can do to to uh, get the right candidates in there, uh, regardless of the party lines? Okay, it's a great question. In fact, I begged people locally, even in my in my home state, to actually put forth a poster that would say. All I'm going to do is sit in office and repeal things. I'm never going to pass a bill because a million pass a year a year uh, nationwide, and we don't need any more regulation. So I'm just going to sit and repeal, um, and that's all I'm going to do for my paycheck. So I hope you're okay with that. That's the kind of poster I want to see. That'd be a good start. Don't say the words that the country's in trouble and, and America's broken, and I'm here to fix it. And if they say that, everybody needs to just get up and walk out. If we start to train these people on what is what we're looking for and asking the right questions, then we can try and maybe get to the people that are actually going to have a backbone and not be a complete wuss bag in office because the second they go in, they completely turn. So we have we have a problem with health care, right? And we have a problem with understanding the difference right now between a Republican and a Democrat. This is the problem. In Georgia... Everybody was cheering because the Republican got it. Now, if you look at her record, she's really standard quo. She's no different. She's not really going to do much in there for liberty. She's just going to do sort of the standard quo, which doesn't bode well for us. We've had standard quo for a long time. So I don't have a whole lot of faith in that. Um, it's nice, but it's not great for us and for liberty. So we need people that, that will actually side with the Constitution. We need people that will actually understand it, have a backbone, and say no and stand up, right? Right. So how are we going to get those people into office? Well, first of all, you got to get the people that are in there that keep saying America's broken and I'm going to go fix it and get them out. And you've got to get people that say, that tell you the truth, that say, you know what? We're, we're I, I am, well, and, and that's going to be hard to do because it's hard to believe because mm-hmm. we've, we've been so schnookered in the past, right? It's, it's tough to do. I do think it's, it's doable to a certain extent, but very difficult. Look at healthcare. If you go back to 1971, Nixon wanted mandated health care. Both parties wanted mandated health care all the way from 1971 all the way through. We have a problem with, with understanding what a party means. And a lot of times I say, well, my party believes in this. Well, go back in history. You'll find out your party believed in the other thing, too. So we have a problem with that. The only clear line that's ever really been is abortion, but then you have to look at who's funding who, who's funding Planned Parenthood, who's letting that slide. 
So not even that is a clear-cut line anymore. I almost think people should run, and then maybe we have like a game where we figure out a year later if it's a D or an R, because this isn't working. I mean, I almost want to have like a dartboard where we actually like throw a dart and say, I don't know, are you a D or an R? Try and figure it out at the end. Because we're, we keep getting sold a box of rocks and we're not, we're not getting it that they have the same end goal. They have the same end goal. That's why we keep ending up in the same spot. They're not, they're, they, you know, everybody that said the word repeal completely forgot that word now. So we never hear the word repeal anymore. I even pulled up an article from 2010 from dear old, and I mean old, 150-year-old Senator Hatch, who said repeal uh, in 2010, and now he won't say the word repeal. Now they say they have to amend it. See, they just keep changing the language. It, I don't know who's an R and who's a D anymore. Sad. And that is sad. Um in, in so many ways, Kate Daly is our guest, folks. You know her. What a tremendous inspiration for all of us, especially this time of year. Independence Day is next week, and uh, just to have her as our guest uh, on this Friday night is just tremendous. And I want to just say thank I, I want to thank her right now. Uh, Kate, I want to thank yeah. you so much just because for your gracious gift of time, Friday night, before I'll... No place I'd rather be than with you guys because I I love this country. You love this country, and we have optimism. We, we, we do. do. I know you're optimistic, we and yep. we need to yep. get our faith back. We need God again. We need faith, and we need to be able to get educated and turn this boat around. We can. An educated populace can do a lot. Yeah, well, we're talking I about agree. faith. Um, this might be a good time to jump in here uh, and get your opinion on this, Kate. The uh, LGBT movement and the transgender movement, Ugh. we yeah. have seen them, uh, Sorry, you know, fight. <laughs> we've seen them fight and push, you know, to, uh, get, you know, these special rights or special privileges, special acknowledgement in the media. And over the last few years, they seem to have gotten that. And now with, um, I, I don't know if you'd call it with the election of Donald Trump or just the, uh, further marching off the cliff of the left. Now it's even worse than that. These people want us to wholeheartedly not only accept their lifestyle, but we must now celebrate it. And if we don't, we are we are hateful, and yep. uh, they are getting to the point where they want us. Yeah. Uh, they're being they are offended by our religious freedom. They're the bully. Oh how, yeah. How do you see this moving forward? Since they've become so militant now, not only to uh, have their agenda accepted in the public, but now they're trying to remove the religious freedoms and, and the religious uh, conservative agenda out of the, the mainstream as, as it being hateful. Do you see them being uh, successful in that? You know what? Yeah, and let me just tell you a little story. Um, I am, I'm off to California. I'm, I'm off to go home. I, I was actually raised on the beach, right, raised in California. Not like an animal on the beach, but you get it. Raised, <laughs> raised on the beach. And uh, <laughs> I give myself some credit. And so there was a restaurant I wanted to try, and I'd heard a lot about it, and a lot of the stars go there. And I and and they had a media page when I was visiting it to get directions, and and they wanted to know if media was coming. So I said, oh, well, maybe I should just let them know I'm coming. And so I wanted because I wanted to make a reservation, and I had heard that it's a little hard to get in there. And so I told them I was coming, and uh, and I got an email back the next day. And the guy said, I wish I could pull this up fast, but the guy, the guy said, no, absolutely not. You're not eating here. We don't want, <laughs> we don't want your kind here. We are a young, informed, um, 
uh, uh, people. And uh, no, absolutely not. You're not eating here. Get out of town. Based on my politics, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that would be okay. If, uh, oh if, man! You know these are the same people who say, "Oh, you, you go into a, a Christian wedding bakery," right. and because they, you know, the Christians say it's against their religion to bake the cake, they turn mm-hmm. around and get sued and yeah. get forced to bake the cake. Yeah. You would have had a, a good so, argument so, to make well, a case well, to uh, well, well, discrimination well, well, there. Wait a second. Well, yeah, well, I got the email. Yeah, but but the way they, way they do a background check on you, <laughs> they took your reservation. Yeah, because I wasn't. I mean, I'm not asking for a meal. I'm just saying I just wanted to make a reservation. So. Here's the deal, and I'm going to point a finger at myself right now. Now, conservatives are less likely to be a bully and to stand up and say, you know, now, wait a minute, I'm going to come sue you, and I'm going to out you, and I'm going to have everybody in the country call you because we're not militant, we're not rude, and and we're not that way. We just don't think in those terms. Right. So this is the main problem. I didn't do that, and maybe I should because if we act that way, maybe they back down a little bit. I don't want to become that, though. And so here's here's the crux of the problem. Conservatives are not speaking out about the bullying. So the bullying just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until we're forced out of the school, right? So that's a problem. Now, I could have stood up. I could have aired the name of the restaurant. I could have had people calling like crazy all across the, the country. Then Then what would have happened? ratcheted up they would have they could have ratcheted up on their side they could have started a campaign they could have it could have gotten and spiraled completely out of control and i know that so what did i not want to do walk into the bear's cave i I don't want to play with them because they're kind of atrocious i don't want to play with people like that so i had to make a decision and my decision was to, to to back off and just just let them be ridiculous and 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 dorks right so what do we do as conservatives? So I'm asking you guys, what do we do in these situations? Because the person walks in for the cake, they don't get their way, even though they could go find somebody else to make the cake. They sue, they become militant, they're the bully, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're serving up the crap sandwich. So what are we going to do in this country if conservatives don't stand up? We don't want to become that. What do we do? Right, and we don't want to become, question, as though. you said, employ the tactics. You know, we don't need to get yeah. lawyers and lawsuits involved. But we, we've got to do something, least, though. Um, but we, we, but with, with a platform like ours or, or like yours, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the social media presence that, that we have, you know, you maybe issue a statement on social media saying, you know, I was hoping to come here, was denied because of my political beliefs, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, thanks so, for the heads up, though. Yeah, I mean... But do you walk into a bear cave knowing that they could spiral it out of control, lie, do all kinds of things, and then you're in, you're involved in a situation that spiraled completely out of control? So... That's that's what I was facing, knowing that if I if, if I get an email like that the next day, I got to know what they're capable of, and that's pretty lunatic, really. I mean, who does that, right? Wow. So, so that that's the problem in America, right there. And I'm pointing a finger at myself. That's that's a problem, and I don't want to lose who we are. I like who we are, and we're not militant, we're not pushy, and 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 we're not that. There's got to be another way we can go about this, and I'm not quite sure what that is in America, but we've got to push back a little bit with this whole culture thing because I'm not going to lose who we are, and I'm not going to let them bully everybody into submission um, because I don't, you know, I, I call this out all the time on my show, uh, the LGBTQRSVUP uh, community, and I am not going to, I'm not going to let them bully us like they do. And so I do call it out quite a bit. I just, on that one, I didn't. So. Yeah. 
But well, the, you know, they've been bullying themselves and, and cannibalizing themselves as of late. There's been a big rift in the uh, LGBT community between, uh, with this being Pride Month, and a number of marches were taking place where the uh, some L- pro-Trump LGBT people have not even been able to attend the Pride rallies because of the divide inside that that movement and but such uh, a small percentage of, of people are yeah are, it's like 3.7 percent was the last uh, figure from the uh oh, it's ridiculously low but, but, but kate uh, low. that question though that you asked i mean to me that that is the question of 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 the the hour of of the day of the week of the month i mean the, what do we do uh, what do we do how do we like act the um the julius uh, very, caesar very, very uh, play in in uh, new york when uh, Jack Posobiec and some others interrupted the play a few nights or, in a row, or, or a there run. were, uh, you know, even conservatives who said, oh, you know, that's, uh, that way. yeah, you shouldn't do that. That's wrong of you right. to act that way. And so you're right. What's, we do need to find a new approach and an effective one at that. What's really funny is I did a, I did a, a short segment on a group in Chicago that are training at a park. And what they're training for is to outwit the right-wing, right-wing extremists. I saw that. Because we're so dangerous. And I thought it was so funny because I'm thinking, really? I mean, who has the violent rhetoric? I mean, we're not chopping off heads, you know, fake heads with blood on them. So there you go. Uh, Kate Daly, you know. thank you so much. We're at the end of the segment. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on on a Friday you guys night. You are awesome. You guys are so fun. Anytime. Oh. I love hanging with you guys. Uh, we, we love yeah, You class the place up, and we really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> great. Have a great holiday weekend. God bless okay. you. You, and, as well. uh, you as well. God bless America, really and amen. truly. Amen. We need it. <laughs> yes, we do. Till next time, God bless. Folks, we're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke 
helpless, fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. We are going to have Paul McGuire with us in just a few moments. I want to bring you a quick word from Greenovative, Alan Riggs over at Greenovative. Don't forget the contest that's ongoing. Uh, read us a short story about a time where you needed power and you didn't have any. Uh, send that to studio at hagman.com, hagmanandhagman.com, and we will get that to Alan, and the winners will be announced next week. Don't forget that this is the July 4th Independence Day Weekend and a great way to celebrate uh, in the USA is with family, a cookout, and even a July Fourth parade. The again, the writing campaign for Green Innovative Energy Independence uh, is when you tell us about your emergency moment when you needed power and you just did not have it. Uh, folks at Green Innovative offer that power, um, and they have the GMAG charger products made here in the USA. They provide. Uh, independence from household electricity, the sun, wild hand crank devices, Greenovative units literally make power anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Don't forget about the discount also from now until the 5th of July where listeners can get a 15% store-wide discount by using the code HAGMAN. And for the very first time, you can receive a free pair of double power pucks with the purchase of any super GMAG charger packets. The discount for that is free puck if it's your first time ordering. So again, 15% store-wide discount using the code HAGMAN from now until the 5th of July. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a great deal. Uh, coming up shortly is going to be Mr. Paul McGuire. Uh, I want to say, folks, it, look, it, it has started in earnest. Remember just very quickly, uh, back before, right around the election, right around the election day, uh, when Donald Trump was, was elected, um, we had stated that it, it would be the absolute purpose to delegitimize, uh, the presidency of Donald Trump. 
in any way possible. Well, now we've got a Democratic congressman from Maryland. We've got uh, Jamie Raskin. He's a constitutional law uh, teacher at an American university. Uh, has suggested or is attempting to convene a commission to um, to uh, use the 25th Amendment to the Constitution to uh, describe Donald Trump as mentally incapable of holding office. And if you, just very quickly here before we bring Paul on, if you look at what MSNBC has done, the individual reporters, including but not limited to CNN, and other the mainstream media reporters, just exactly like the Russian narrative, you've got that questioning his mental status, using, for example, his end-around mainstream media Twitter account. Right. It's an end-around, okay? He, but, but that as the basis to question his mental capacity, I think, if this continues in this fashion, I see this going very, very badly for the American people. It's pretty crazy that they, that they will use uh, tweets, uh, you know, his own Twitter activity as a way to show that, uh, you know, he's somehow mentally unstable. They're just afraid that he's not a, a political insider, an, an establishment well, globalist, yep. and that he's like a regular American person, and uh, that he does things differently from any president we've seen, especially in this age of social media. And if anybody's insane, it is, you know, most of these elected officials who are in, you know, the House and in the Senate and all of the people in the mainstream media, these people are the ones who, who, uh, you know, have, have lost their minds. And then because they're living in some alternative, you know, psychotic reality, everything the president does to them seems like it's, uh, you know, some kind of mental derangement. But it really, what it is, is the Trump derangement syndrome, uh, you know, by the rest of the country who, who is just so sad that Hillary Clinton uh, did not become president. They're still hurt. They're looking for any and every way they can to impeach him. They couldn't get him with a, a Russia lies. So because of his reaction to those lies and to the name calling and to the constant badgering of the president and his office by the media, now they're going to say that because his responses to those lies are a little different than any other president that he's unhinged. Yeah, it's a little, the, uh, the wheels are coming off. The circular of reasoning here is, is, uh, getting old. Exactly. But we have Paul McGuire with Let's us. Let's bring him on. Not sure if we're gonna, if we have the, the video set up, but either way, Paul McGuire is with us. And it's been a while since we've had John. Paul, it's great to have you back on the show. It's great to be on the show. By the way, do we have video on? Uh, no, Eric, the tech said that your, your video is showing, uh, just, um, one of those loops, like it's buffering or whatever, but the sound is fine. We hear you loud and clear. Okay. Uh, ask, ask your technician, is there a button I'm supposed to be pressing to have video? Cause here on my screen, it says it's activated. So, uh, we're right. ready to go with video, but All right. we're, we're working on this, Paul. We, what we okay. have is, um, we have your, uh, your, fine. your We'll go like this till we get to a break, then we'll try to reconnect and yeah. see if we can fix great, it. Great, great, great. Okay. So, anyway, it's great to be on, gentlemen, and I've missed you guys. It's been a while, but um, as you just said in your opening, um, it's interesting you brought up the attempt to uh, psychologically destroy President Trump. Now, um, I have been immersed in research for, like, way too long. I'm working at like 18 hours a day, 
doing two books at once, and I literally, you know, I'll read like three books a day. I know that sounds insane, but I'm a speed reader. <clears throat> so one of the things that I've been dealing with is this entire um, attack, the psychological attack uh, strategy. So on one hand, they go with the Russian collusion strategy, which is a total disaster. Anybody who is on that boat is, is, is on a ship of fools. There is no proof whatsoever <clears throat> that Trump colluded with the Russians or they in, interfered with the election. So now that that boat is sinking, but they're still going to stay on the boat, um, I knew ahead of time that the secondary strategy or one of the other strategies would be to demonize him as psychologically unfit and so psychologically unfit that they would be, they would have to, for the good of the American people, force him to leave the office of president. <clears throat> and the reason I knew that was happening, as you gentlemen know, going back six to seven months ago, if not longer, you, you heard these little statements by journalists, these little articles here and there, questioning his psychological stability, questioning uh, his judgment in the face of a crisis, and, and building subliminally, at least, the case that he's mentally unfit to be president. Now, <clears throat> the major way they structured that psychological attack and by the way, what we're talking about is psychological warfare. Uh, what we're seeing play, uh, play out before us is psychological warfare within the political arena, because psychological warfare is the primary warfare. So um, the left, going way back to the Frankfurt School in the 1920s, and the Frankfurt School... Um, was a group of Marxist intellectuals who were trained by the KGB in Moscow, and then they picked up and moved to Frankfurt, Germany in the 1920s. And their strategy was not to do the guns and bullets thing, but to create a Marxist revolution or a communist revolution in America via trans radically transforming the culture. And that means... Um, political correctness, and there are four top targets, by the way, of the Marxist intellectuals in the 1920s. The four top targets was, one, number one, they said, destroy Christianity. Number two, destroy the Christian marriage. Number three, destroy uh, Christian morality, family values. And then number four, destroy patriotism, uh, destroy any any patriotic feelings or belief in an independent sovereign nation state like America. Now that's the, that's their four primary targets. So these Marxist intellectuals uh, and Sigmund Freud was involved, and he was uh, Sigmund Freud was you know pathologically sick. He was mentally ill himself. The guy was a cocaine addict. Number one, he was deeply involved in the occult. And there's other things that I could say that I don't have time to go into now. So, the basic strategy they used, and it came from Freud, was that, the father of psychoanalysis, was that whenever a human being 
represses their sexual urges or their sexual desires. When anybody uh, suppresses or restricts or does not act on their sexual desires and suppresses them, it will lead to a a psychological, uh, a serious psychological uh, problem. And a number of the Marxist intellectuals at the Frankfurt School actually authored books called The Totalitarian Personality. The Totalitarian Personality. And what they argued was that totalitarian males, strong leaders, or the the, the fear of uh, Hitlerian-type dictators, um, that comes out of a psychological problem because that individual is suppressing their sexuality. So this is an entire theory that's not an honest psychological theory. There's no psychological basis for it. There's no scientific proof for it. What the Frankfurt School Marxist intellectuals did was manufacture a psychological theory as a methodology of propaganda and psychological warfare to target and destroy any strong male leadership figure so that there would be no resistance to their communist revolution. So every single argument, and by the way, I went through the entire biography of Trump. Uh, I read the the articles in the the liberal magazines, and you could go off the checkpoint that they they would uh, uh, say was part of the reason he has an authoritarian personality. His father was cruel to him. Well, his father wasn't cruel to him. So they back then were constructing this fiction that Trump is a potential authoritarian and also mentally unstable because they believe that goes hand in hand via the suppression of sexuality. So this is a specific agenda. And quite frankly, I heard this I, when I was a leftist and a radical and, you know, involved in uh, demonstrations and stuff, I heard this exact same argument from people like Dr. Timothy Leary and the radical left in the late 60s and 70s. That whole thing, make love and not war, uh, was simply another way of saying, don't suppress your sexual urges, then you won't be violent. And so that's their attack strategy. And, and when you dissect... Uh, the the biographical components of Trump that they add up in their their erroneous attempt to portray him as a psychopath and mentally unstable. Uh, for example, I was raised in Queens, Jackson Heights, Queens. Um, Trump was raised in Jamaica Estates, Queens. That was one subway stop from where I lived. The media in the East Coast portrays Jamaica Estates like it's Beverly Hills. Jamaica Estates is not Beverly Hills. I lived in a middle-class neighborhood. Trump lived in Jamaica Estates. Would be It would be an upper-middle-class neighborhood. It was not an elite, uh, uh, super-wealthy neighborhood. It was just upper-middle-class. And his father told him many of the same things my father told me growing up in Jackson Heights, Queens. You know, you have to deal with the streets of New York. And he told his son to be tough because if you weren't tough on the streets of New York City back then, 
uh, they would beat the living daylights out of you just for sports. So he didn't have an authoritarian, psychopathic father. He had a loving father who was teaching him how to survive. Because if you didn't know how to survive on the streets of Queens, you would they would beat you unconscious. And my father said the same thing to me. And I, I don't have an authoritarian personality. That's an example of a loving father preparing his son for the real world. So that's just part of their uh, psychological demonization, and they're going to add to it, and they've planned it for a long time. Yeah, uh, no, you're, you're exactly right with the, you know, we've worked in New York City. Uh, me and my father have been there hundreds and hundreds of times doing uh, uh, workers' compensation and other private investigation work. And, uh, you know, New York City's a, it's a tough city and you're right. You have to, um, you have to have a certain edge and, and toughness about you or you will, it's a type of city that, you know, you, you'll get devoured in if you, if you do not. And, right. Right. um, and, and let me give you an example. So like Trump's, the media, you know, all these, uh, uh, liberal magazines, writing about Trump's childhood, writing about Jamaican estates, and what I think is very humorous is it's blatantly obvious to me and anybody who grew up in Queens that the people writing these articles either were raised in privileged suburbs across America or the very privileged and posh areas of Manhattan where they didn't they were they were wealthy kids, okay? And they didn't have to deal with this. But middle-class kids or working-class kids did have to deal with it in Queens. And just because Trump was upper-middle-class didn't make him immune from the streets of Queens. So, I was a nice kid. I really was. I mean, I knew how to fight because I hung out with buddies where all we did was fight and train each other how to fight as we also played football and basketball and stuff like that. And that really um, was very good for me because it taught me how to be a street fighter without being like, you know, a psychopath. So anyway, I remember one day a kid picks a fight with me, because I never pick fights with people. But if they picked a fight with me long enough, then I would engage them. So uh, I was I was young, and, and this kid starts to beat me up, and I go into our apartment building kind of crying and complaining to my dad that, that it hurts he beat me up, and, you know, and I'm crying and falling apart. And my father says to me, and he's a, he's a military veteran, and he's, he's, he was an artist, and he said to me, so what if it hurts? I mean, very aggressively, my father looks me in the eye and says, so what if it hurts, Paul? Get, he says, I don't care how much it hurts. Go back out there and finish the fight and win. And I don't want to see you until you do that. Now, that's kind of the edge that Trump's father gave him. But you see, you had to have that to survive. I would walk on the way to school, minding my own business, to grammar school, PS69. These kinds of things would happen all the time. All of a sudden, guys are jumping out of the bushes. I, I never saw them before. And they are pounding the living you-know-what out of me. I'm bleeding, I'm knocked to the floor, for no reason whatsoever. So if a father didn't teach his kid, his son, how to survive his son would be just the target. And, you know, when you you grow up in a, a privileged upper Manhattan environment, of course, you don't have to deal with that. Yeah, and you know how this is, uh, 
how this translate, oh, translates over to what we're seeing in the, in the media, uh, you know, with Trump. The media is united in their hatred for Trump and his agenda and their supporters, but they, they, they seem or at least act as though they're astonished when he fights back, when he fights back against the lies and the smears, the name calling and the slander. And they act like he's unhinged for, you know, fighting back, uh, at least verbally. And, uh, I, I don't know what these people expect. I mean, it, it's obvious and has been obvious for a long time that no matter what he does, um, he's going to be ridiculed for it. He's going to be put down and, um, but one thing that, that this country has going for it is the complete lack of respect and the unity of the people against the mainstream media. Uh, I think a lot of the people can see through the media and what they're trying to do to Trump and to his agenda. But, Paul, let me ask you this. Do you believe that they really hate Trump this much, or do you think that it's more they hate his agenda and supporters? Um, I would venture to say that if he if he had the political, economic beliefs that they had, uh, he'd be a hero to them. Um, you know, you have to ask yourself the question. We have never, ever experienced this level of attack and warfare against any president of the United States in the history of America. Never, ever. And we have entered an entirely different uh, virtual reality. And a lot of people understand that. A lot of people in the media don't get it yet. We've, like, I don't believe in evolution, but we've taken an evolutionary jump in the way our social media and our media integrates with society. So so let me give you an example. Trump was a reality TV star, okay? That's unreal, but it's real. He, his face was recognizable, his brand, you know, you're fired, the tough businessman. He, people all over the world tuned into that show. He was a, a super, superstar of reality TV. And that taught him a bunch of things, I'm sure. So Trump goes into an environment expecting to, uh, run for president and expecting, you know, fair debate rules and fair media coverage and everything else. And all of a sudden, we're all watching this, and none of us have ever seen an election uh, where the entire mainstream media is a 24-7 assault machine against him. They're lying. They're distorting. It's, like, unbelievable. Um, you had people like Jeb Bush, you know, coming up all, like, humble and quiet and Christian-like. But, you know, as Trump called him on it, he was secretly... He was distancing himself from it, but he had a political pact, I think, spending over $100 million doing the dirtiest and meanest name-calling uh, television spots. And so all this accumulates. We've never seen, ever, none of us have ever seen a time where the media has been so biased, so off the wall, one lie after another. You know, what they did to Trump and this is psychological warfare too. This is an intentional strategy. They, they have given him bombardment of images, uh, uh, where people are threatening to kill him, threatening to assassinate him. Some of them are celebrities. Some of them are, are movie stars. Some of them are, uh, uh, journalists and other politicians. And never before have we heard 
you know, hundreds of voices calling for his bloody assassination and his killing, okay? If that had been any other political leader or president, those people would have been arrested by now, jailed, fined. Any other president, if somebody said that once to Obama, proceedings would have happened. So then it keeps escalating and escalating, and they're showing a picture of Trump's head being uh, chopped off, like like ISIS cut off his head, covered with blood, that, what's her name, Kathy Griffin, the, the comedian, held up, which was obscene. It was brutal. It was completely off the charts. And then you see this uh, play in Central Park where the actor uh, who was playing Trump is assassinated and he dies in a bloody pool of blood. And that's just part of what they've shown. So here you have Melania Trump and you have uh, uh, Trump's younger son, Barron, and the rest of his family. Now, imagine the psychological assault on a female and a wife like Melania and and Barron. Trump is tough, but but no matter how tough you are, it gets under your skin. And then when your wife is being hit by it and your and your and your kid, it really gets under your skin. So, you know, in a sense, um, I don't know exactly what their psychological state of mind is, but I don't care how tough you are as a male or a female, when you're under that bombardment of violent imagery of your the husband you love or your father being brutally murdered and it's popping up on TV screens all of the time imagine their lives they go in Manhattan they can't go anywhere they're called names there's murmuring in the background I guarantee you all their liberal friends have run from them she never knows and the family never knows he never knows where they're going to go, where somebody is going to explode on them, threaten violence or whatever. Now, that sounds, okay, you know, okay, that's the way it is. No, that's not the way it is. It's it's such a shock and awe campaign to our human psychological personality that, once again, I don't care how tough you are, it, it gives you uh, degrees of incremental post-traumatic stress disorder, except it's not post. You're going to have nightmares. You're going to have sleepless nights. You're going to have a paranoia because it's like shell shock. You don't know when the next explosion is going to go off. And that is a brutal, brutal psychological attack on his family uh, and him and his staff. And it's done intentionally because they know he is probably tough and can handle it. But his wife and son and family... That's a, that's a way to get to a man. So this is a deliberate uh, assault. Number, n- number two is the constant references to assassination and, and the blood regarding Trump and how we're going to kill him and chop his head off. It takes a collective toll and it, cli- it, it cr- deliberately creates a climate where every nut is, is ready to go off on them. So it is my personal belief that we are watching not a, a, a product of randomness. Everything we're seeing in the media in terms of the attacks on Trump, even this guy who killed the Republicans, there is far more to that than we're being led to believe. That was not a random incident. Paul, and, uh, uh, 
we're right up against the break. We're going to take this break, uh, and we're going to try to um, get get your video up and running. Folks, we're talking with Paul McGuire. He's going to be with us through the rest of the show. Um, we got a lot to get into, a lot of prophetic stuff, a lot of news stuff. And this is good stuff, though, folks. I'm Absolutely. Good. I'm hearing, man. This is exactly what we need. And we're going to uh, try to get the, the video up and running for, from when we come back. We're going to take this network break when we come back more with Paul McGuire. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Uh, folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com. Masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High quality items, made in America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's a, It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Trang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us is the website. Uh, 
it's a fantastic website. And Paul's been a guest on our show several times in the past, and it's been a little while since he's been on, and it's great to have him back. He's author of several, several books from the day the dollar died to a prophecy of the future of America to the prophecy of the future of America 2016-2017. If I can interject something here, folks, Paul is one of the most intelligent men I know. And when he says he's, he goes into a room in 18 hours, you know, in a room writing a couple of books, this is what he does. Other, the secret, you know, I, I, I always wondered, how do so many people write so many books? Well, you know how they do it? They, they've got, uh, uh, I don't want to say ghostwriters. They, they got people that write, uh, I, I can't, don't recall the name, but other people write the books for them. Basically, the author gives them, Notes and the other person, uh, uh, copywriters, uh, uh, write the books. Paul writes his own and he researches his own. And I've got a lot of respect for Paul. We were talking right before the break about the assault against the mental, uh, the, the mental health of Donald Trump, the constant barrage by everyone in the media. And I think this is so important because this is where uh, folks, I'm telling you, this is tomorrow's news. Paul, take it away, sir. Well, I'm really glad, uh, Doug, that you brought that up. And um, I'm going to say some things that, that probably I shouldn't say, but I'm going to say them anyway, which is what I always do. And um, before I say them, though, I want to tell Skeptical people. There's nothing wrong with being skeptical as long as you're honest and when you're confronted with the facts. If the facts don't prove to be true, then you have a right to reject it. But if you're skeptical and the facts are true, then you're obligated to change your mind if you have any integrity. So I'm going to say some things that may sound foreign and strange to some people, but I have uh, credible first-hand documentation uh, in my books to support what I'm saying. And, you know, I've spent a lifetime, 45 years at least, uh, studying this stuff. Um, so let me just get to some basics that, that you know, the, the, the mainstream news media and even a lot of the alternative news media is very uh, one-dimensional. And they, they won't get into the real, it's not so much what they do cover that creates bias and censorship, it's what they choose not to cover, which is their greatest crime. So, um, over the last, uh, 40 years, let's say starting, I'm just gonna pick an arbitrary date. I could go back further, but let's say, let's starting right after World War II in 1948. When America brought in 10,000 uh, Nazi mind control scientists, Nazi rocket scientists, and Nazi genetic scientists under a program called Operation Paperclip, and then gave them the highest positions in America with think tanks and laboratories and huge budgets. Now, the one thing we have to remember about the Nazis is they were, first of all, deeply involved in the occult. But secondly, they were on the cutting edge of scientific mind control. I mean, they had mind control. They, they took it to a whole new level. But what a lot of people don't understand is that scientific mind control 
just like uh, genetics or transhumanism or computer technology, it has been accelerating in its sophistication and application. It's just that you'll never really hear about it. A case in point would be, uh, what was it, a couple of months ago, our government gave the communist Chinese government the control over the Internet. Was it a couple of months ago? That was right before, I think it was in October, November, something okay. like that, or October. Yeah. So immediately after that happened, I began to notice um, all kinds of censorship happening on the Internet. Uh, things that weren't happening before are now happening constantly. So, for example, it used to be I would type in something like, let's say, uh, Donald Trump and uh, psychological personality or whatever. And on the first page, there would have been the typical liberal propaganda. But on the first page of a search engine back then, like Google, there would be alternative news. Now, on any given subject unless it's the official politically correct version, you don't see it on the first page of the search engines. You don't see it on the second page. Now you've got to start going ten pages deep. Maybe you'll go on the sixth page and find one article or something, but they're burying uh, alternative viewpoints, which happen to be the truth, deep uh, ten pages or more into the search engines. That's a form of censorship. Then I can't tell you how many articles that I research, and I'll try to go to the article, and there's an error message, a variety of strange error messages that I've never seen, or mysteriously, this video does not play anymore. But it's always related to something that isn't politically correct. So what they're doing, it's, it's, it's a somewhat stealth way of doing it, is that they're dominating in an Orwellian sense, a Big Brother sense, the Internet by redirecting people to politically correct information or blocking uh, people from accessing, because the, the pages don't exist on the Internet, truthful information. So this is very dangerous, because this is Big Brother totalitarianism uh, on the fast track. Now, let's go back to... Um, uh, this attack and assault on Trump. A lot of people don't understand. Why is Trump doing what he's doing? Like, when he was in the uh, election cycle, why did he give everybody these names? People are saying, that's beneath a president. You know, he's calling uh, Little Rubio, and I forgot all the, the Lion, uh, Ted, and stuff. And you say, and a lot of people made the assessment, well, that's just beneath him. He's not acting presidential. But, as I said earlier in your program, uh, he called Jeb Bush a name. He did it intentionally because Jeb is pretending to be this this virtuous Christian saint uh, at the debate, but in reality he's got his super PAC spending hundreds of millions of dollars lying and assaulting Trump and calling Trump all kinds of names. So he's not clean at all. So Trump doesn't have that money, but he does have an imagination. And from a, from like a uh, straight from the heart, uh, street fighting modality from Queens. He works out this clever way of labeling his candidates with these names. And you may say it's beneath him, but look, he doesn't have $500 million to play with 
to hire uh, uh, psychological operations uh, advertising campaigns. So he has to do it with his own cleverness and wit. And that's one of the reasons he won the presidency. So uh, Joe Scarborough and, uh, uh, what's her name, Mika Brzezinski? Yeah. And Brzezinski, of course, is the daughter of this evil architect yep. of the Trilateral Commission, uh, uh, Zebenu Brzezinski, who, who wrote in 1970, 1976, he wrote a book, uh, called, uh, called The Grand Chess Game, Calling for the Use. Here is Brzezinski, Trilateral Commission, globalist, friend of Rockefeller. He's writing this super authoritarian book that we can control the masses with scientific brainwashing and psychotronic weapons and psychotronic technology. Now I explain what all that is, and your your readers and, and viewers and listeners should know what all that is. In fact, in my book Mass Awakening that you were kind enough to write the forward to, I get into that in detail, and people should know how that works because it's being used against them. And by the way, uh, Paul, th- thank you. Uh, Mass Awakening, folks, is perhaps one of the most pr- prescient books for today, uh, in today's environment. And I'm not saying that to sell books or to, you know, just because I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to write the forward to it. Uh, Mass Awakening has the information in there that applies to what's going on today. And I just want, if you don't have it, folks, uh, uh, get it from, from Paul McGuire. Yeah, definitely order it because it's a great, it, very, very applicable today. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought question. No, it's fine. In fact, and so when I talk about stuff like this, you know, a lot of people are tracking with me. But then a lot of people think this is too heavy. So that's why I write the books and I give documentation. So in Mass Awakening, the key thing here is I give you the first-hand quotes from Brzezinski and the others about their uh, calling for the use of scientific mind control and psychotronic weapons. Now, I, I would suspect the majority of people that are uh, listening don't know what psychotronic weapons are, but they're being... But they're being used against you. You need to know that, see? You need to know um, that there is technology that most of most of America thinks is going to not be available until 100 years, and they would consider it science fiction technology that has really been available and operational since the 50s. And Brzezinski is talking about the use of psychotronic technology and psychotronic weapons in controlling the masses. So this is being employed in the psychological warfare with Trump and the globalist elite. And by the way, this is what this all really comes down to. It's because Trump ran on a platform, Make America Great Again. He ran on a platform against the corrupt trade treaties. He ran on a platform challenging globalism. He ran on a platform uh, advocating borders and protection of terrorism. And he ran on a program where he wasn't going to allow the working class and the middle class uh, of America to continually have their wages cut lower and lower and lower because the globalists did that intentionally. And then the globalists sent out 80,000 manufacturing plants to third world nations. And, and the reason for that, and, and this thinking and this plan that, that I'm talking about now from the globalists 
they wrote about it extensively, and I quote them, uh, going back as far as the mayor of New York City in 1921 and uh, Woodrow Wilson and many others. They talked about the need for globalism. Rockefeller, you know, there's been so many Rockefellers, uh, but they talked about the need for getting rid of, uh, um, uh, for promoting trade treaties, for increasing globalistic trade, getting rid of borders, pushing a global government. They talked about this. They laid out and mapped out these plans 100 years ago. Now, so here Trump comes, and he is in opposition to it. But we have to understand that the mainstream media, every single, not every single person, but just about every single person, there are a few exceptions, in the mainstream media is a bought man or a bought woman. They work directly for just six globalist corporations. And what is hidden uh, behind the six globalist corporations is that these six globalist corporations that can to- totally control the content of our media, they're really owned by international and foreign investors and foreign directors like nations like Saudi Arabia China, certain European nations. So the globalists in all these other nations have purchased control and censorship over the content of our media. So the the reason right now that our mainstream media is in in, uh, a full on attack mode Against Trump, they're acting like like uh, packs of wild dogs infected with rabies devouring one another, or like some kind of zombie apocalypse in that movie Twenty Eight Days Later. They are doing this because they've been ordered to do it. They have been ordered by their globalist owners to take down Trump, and to and then there's people that are involved in it. Because we have to remember that basically uh, the protective mechanism that the globalists have erected that goes back to ancient Babylon, by the way, is a pyramidical structure. It's the pyramidical structure is the structure or hierarchy of a, a, a corporate organizational flowchart, but all the secret occult societies, etc., operate on a pyramidical structure. So the people at the top, they know what's going on. Okay, but then you go lower, and by lower I say I'm saying like people like presidents of the United States, or people like prime ministers, or people like Marxist college professors and scientists. They only have a small fragment of the information. They're completely unaware of, for example, what Brinsky was talking about psychotronic weapons. So. You have them, they have been ordered to take down Trump because the globalists perceive Trump as a threat to their one world government and to their trade treaties and to globalism, etc., etc. When you read the Bilderberg uh, uh, report from the recent Bilderberg meeting in uh, Chantilly, Virginia, where the world's elite gather annually in different locations, Every single item, including the first one, was all about Trump. All about Trump, how to defeat populism, how to promote globalism. 
they are terrified that there will be a populist uprising that could potentially derail their plans for globalism. Now, I want to add one more ingredient here that people need to be aware of, and that is the reality of existing technologies. First of all, linguistics, vocabulary, words, images, and associations are a big part of what's called propaganda, persuasion, indoctrination, or psychological warfare. But, in addition to that, and Brzezinski wrote about it in 1976, he's the co-founder of the uh, Council of, uh, of the uh, Trilateral Commission with Rockefeller, they learned the, the beginning of it from the Nazis, mind control scientists, but they've taken it to an entirely new level. So we have intelligence agencies and activist groups financed by super billionaires that have been able to create regime change in Middle Eastern nations and coups. And the way they do it is they, they flood that nation with radical activists trained and then they use the social media like Facebook and Twitter and all the other internet social media and they caught, they can in a matter of three days have a hundred thousand people rioting and burning and destroying things in the streets. But they use a psychological technique and strategy in combination with the technology of the internet. Now that psychological strategy, and your listeners need to know what it is because it's going to be used on them. And that's why you need to study, whether it's my books or somebody else's books, you need to study, I have it in my book, uh, the new one uh, that you can order now, uh, Conquering the Matrix, this, this illusion world. Um, they're using a strategy called emotional contagion. And the premise is, is that emotions and psychological states like anger, paranoia, violence, hatred, whatever you want to, whatever state of emotion you want to, exp- uh, to, to spread like wildfire through a targeted population, it acts like a, what they call a mental virus or an emotional virus. And it moves from person to person very rapidly. But when you uh, initiate or launch the psychological operations strategy called emotional contagion, which is a virus that transmits emotions, uh, hatred towards Donald Trump, or whatever they want to do, when you introduce the components of emotional contagion into the Internet structure, Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc., then it spreads virally. And virally isn't just a cute word, virally. An emotion that becomes through psychological development and methodically thought out spreads virally on the Internet through social media to a target group, and it is contagious. It spreads from one person to another. And then the second thing is it creates a a group mind, it creates a, a mass hysteria that reinforces one another. And I'm going to suggest to you that when I saw the uh, whatever how many million women march uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, was either shortly before or after Trump uh, was in the White House, 
And as I've watched some of the behaviors at these rallies and uh, specifically watching the behavior of many celebrities and at these demonstrations in groups, I noticed something very peculiar. I've noticed that for years they have been politically active and, and expressing their viewpoints. But I, I, I'm seeing the emotionalism that almost borders on, on psychosis. It's a hysteria. You can, you can listen to them on television and they're like psychologically out of control and they're like spinning off one another. And I'm going to suggest to you, I can't prove it as an outsider, but I'm going to suggest to you that that targeted, that population group has been targeted along with professional organizers of demonstrations and big money behind it. That an emotional contagion was launched virally in the, the feminist community and in the Hollywood community to create a catharsis and uh, a total explosion of hatred, irrationality, and insanity uh, in their protesting of Donald Trump. And it has reached such an escalation point. This emotional contagion keeps building and strengthening itself that it ended up with people like uh, Kathy Griffin showing the decapitated, decapitated head of Donald Trump and a lot of very freaky, psychotic stuff. And but what I'm trying to tell your listeners, this is not an accident. This is, this is how they destabilize targeted regimes in the Middle East and Europe. And this is how they intend to attempt to impeach a legally elected president who's guilty of nothing or to get away with calling him mentally ill or whatever. They're using a full spectrum of assault weapons. And one of those assault weapons is the synergistic combination between social media, the Internet, and very sophisticated emotional contagion psychological propaganda that is targeted for a particular group. Yeah, I was reading um, Daniel Estelin's book on the Tavistock Institute. Yeah. And he talks about, uh, in great detail, just in the, in the first uh, chapter there, about the social engineering of the masses. And also in the book of, from Brzezinski I have here, uh, Totalitarian Dictatorship and Autocracy, uh, he gets into the totalitarian ideology and not only the historical roots, but the change in corruption of ideology and how it is used as a weapon. But in Estelin's book, um, he quotes another book, and I don't have the quotation with me, but he says the, the ultimate goal um, is the complete eradication of mankind's inner sense of identity the tearing out of mankind's innermost soul and the placement in the vacant space of an artificial synthetic pseudo soul and when you when you, the the emotional reactions that you're talking about uh it goes down you know to a more uh, a tribal a more carnal nature and that's what it appeals to and you know so often we see people's reactions as being uh, emotional responses instead of uh, intellectual responses and this is a way to continue to remove intelligence and critical thinking from the minds of people by getting them to act solely on their base emotions. And that could be another reason why we see uh, the media acting the way that they're acting right now, and uh, they're trying to invoke that emotional response uh, 
you know, by that kind of gotcha journalism or, or sensationalist headlines or the lies like the Russia stuff that we see in order to continue as a tool to dumb down society. The repetition. Right, absolutely. And uh, the totalitarian ideology uh, encompasses, the, you know, the fascists, the communists, and, and these different forms of, of uh, oppressive governments that we've seen uh, throughout history, especially through the 20th century. And everything that they accuse Trump of, of being, you know, this this uh, this dictator, this, uh, you know, Hitlerian uh, guy, this fascist, it is all to invoke those emotional responses. And, and sadly, Paul, what would you say? About 25% of the population in this country has bought the lie hook, line, and sinker to the point where their own mind has been manipulated to where they don't think clearly anymore, that they just believe what this, they're told? Well, first of all, you you... You, I'm glad you brought up one point because I want to get into it if we have time. <clears throat> you identified probably one of the most com- important components of this, and that is the strategic plan destruction of individual identity and individualism and the individual personality, and deliberately through psycho- psychological manipulation, uh, uh, getting rid of the individual personality and causing people to merge their identities into what's called the collective or the group mind uh, of where you're just one entity. And if you study the teachings of the Luciferian Alice Bailey and Madame Blavatsky, which I write about in uh, the first book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, um, she points to this. Uh, Karl Marx points to this when in the Communist Manifesto, he talks about the collective and that nobody's individual personality matters. You give up everything for the state or the collective. And now our children are being programmed in the schools. You don't pursue individual excellence based on individual performance. The goal is they would rather have mediocrity and and have children uh, surrender to the group mind where your identity is found not in who you are, but is being part of the team or being part of the consensus. And they also penetrated the uh, uh, capitalist corporations in America through management training, and they have things like total quality management where they go into giant automobile companies, et cetera, and they discourage uh, individual high achievers. They say that destabilizes uh, productivity, and they say it's better to have everybody united and operating at the same level and making teamwork and groupthink your priority. They teach these corporations that that should be your goal and that you don't want the independent achiever that soars to great heights. So you've tapped into something, and I'd say it's far higher than 25%, because you see the the brainwashing, the indoctrination, the advertising, whatever you want to call it, began in uh, school, K through 12. So people were already pre-set up to... Accept it. Now, now we're moving into a crisis state regarding Trump and everybody else. And the seeds that were already planted in, in, in tens of millions of lives or hundreds of millions of lives, they're already pre-prepared to enter in this, into this collective 
uh, mindset where they will succumb to uh, brainwashing and act as such. But there's there's a powerful solution to that. And and by the way, the, 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 what I find amusing is that ultimately that's it's Luciferian in nature. But number two. They never tell you the truth. They say, okay, we're going to create a worker's paradise. Globalism is the good, is for the good of all of mankind. We're going to take care of everybody. We're going to redistribute the wealth so everybody has equal. And this whole list of, of things that sound so Christ-like and so compassionate. But history shows us it's always a lie. And when the day is done, including right now, there's proof of it. When the day is done, the wealthy 1% elite become wealthier and wealthier and wealthier and more powerful and more powerful and more powerful while under the so-called wealth redistribution, they have said in their own words that they want to destroy the income levels of the working class in America and the middle class and bring the working class and middle class of America down to that of a third world nation. Now, in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, and this is a completely new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, <clears throat> I go through all the economics, the numbers, the data that will prove what I'm saying. It's simple to understand, but when you look at the dollar amounts, it'll blow your mind. So let me just throw out do I have time to throw out a dollar amount? or? As a matter of fact, Paul, uh, we are going to be skipping... Uh Henceforth, the rest of our breaks. I want to thank Global Star okay. Radio Network for allowing us to do that. Uh, thank you, Global Star. Uh, so, continuity of thought, Paul. Consider. Okay, I, I, I want to make a distinction because I never did make a distinction, and people always thought I was talking about the same book. These are two entirely different books. So, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017 is completely different than just A Prophecy of Future of America. In A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, I deal extensively with dollar amounts, economics, trade treaties, wealth, the decline in wealth of the middle class, etc., 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 and I explain it in a very simple, uh, you know, anybody can read it and get it. So since 1960, um, I would say 1960 and even after that. The way it used to work in America was that the average guy, no matter what kind of job he had, let's say he, let, let's say back then the average guy or, or some of the average guys, they were car salesmen, okay? Or maybe they were salesmen at Sears or any number of professions, okay? They made, in the 1960s and afterwards, for quite a few years afterwards, maybe until the 70s, they were able to earn enough money working as a salesman at Sears or a car salesman and many other types of jobs on, in that level where they could afford to buy and then own their own home. Their wives didn't have to work unless they wanted to. And they lived good lifestyles as working class and middle class Americans, okay? Because the buying power, first of all, they were making, I remember talking to guys on car lots, you know, decades ago, 
who were making back then they were making they were the goods car salesmen, but they were making one hundred fifty thousand dollars. There were guys in selling stereos and TVs all, all over the U.S. who were making seventy-five, a hundred thousand, one hundred twenty-five thousand, and these were just like a little bit above average. But back then, their wives didn't have to work; they could buy their own home, they could take a vacation. But then, the value of the dollar, essentially, now by the time we're in, and this is a rough estimate, is worth more than. It's probably worth 60% less than it was in、uh, the 1960s. So now, to achieve the same standard of living, if it's possible, both the man and the woman have to work. And I have no problem if a woman wants to work, she should be free to work. But now, both the woman and the man both have to work, and they still don't make enough money combined.、Uh, To equal what one guy was making, being a a, a salesman at Sears. And, and Paul, that's the assault. The intent. Forgive me for interrupting, but to me, this was the deliberate assault on the nuclear, the biblical nuclear family. You got、uh, it. You got it. Absolutely.、Okay. You got it. All right. No, no, that, no, no, no. That, I'm glad you said that because you can look at so many studies and so many reports of these globalists and these thinkers, and I quote all of these things in the various books, like the day the dollar died. Also, they put down in bullet points their goals, and so num- number one,、uh, number one is destroy Christianity. Number two is to destroy the Christian family unit. And they knew. See, feminism. Look, nobody's against a woman having the freedoms to become everything she wants to be. If a woman wants to work, fine. Wo- whatever a woman wants to do, that's fine. But she shouldn't have to be forced to do it. And so, the reason they, they, that the secretive occult elite and globalists deliberately created the feminist movement. Uh, and by the way, it's not an accident that it was called the women's liberation movement because whenever you hear the word liberation and movement, that's a communist term. The whole purpose of feminism and Gloria Steinem, who is probably the most famous feminist in history, including Betty Friedan and others, she was the publisher of MS Magazine and she was the most prominent feminist. She came out and admitted that she worked for the Central Intelligence Agency. Now I'm going to say something to you because this is very important,、um, and, and it reflects my mindset. I am very, very skeptical. Skeptical. People may say, "Well, he doesn't sound skeptical. He's he, he's espousing these science fiction technology theories." Yeah, I am. But the only problem is I'm right. It's true, and I've done my homework. But I'm skeptical. So everything that we're talking about, at one time I didn't believe. I was skeptical. I was resistant. And so when I heard that the, the, the for example, that the feminist movement was raised up、uh, to destroy the family, I didn't believe that. It sounded like a bunch of、uh, John Birch Society propaganda. I didn't believe it. And then I heard, I heard somewhere on the radio that the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. Was deliberately funding women actresses and celebrities to act as role models 
and and role model before all the other women in America because of their celebrity status. Um, how great it is uh, to be a single working woman, not married, to be sexually liberated, uh, uh, and to be free. And so, the Rockefeller Brothers Fund deliberately wanted to promote the ideal to the average American woman that the best choice for them was to be a working woman, to be single, to be sexually active. Marriage was not important, and having children certainly wasn't important. And so they wanted to brand that into the mindset of American women. Now, I thought this is this is crazy talk. That was my action, my reaction. This is some conspiratorial, you know, crazy nut job talk. I don't believe it. Well, so I go, back then there's no internet to research on, so I go to the local public library, and for those that remember what, what that was like, you, I, I went through the card catalog uh, just to see. I would never have ever thought that they had a volume from the Rockefellers Brothers Fund. And, and I, I actually found an original volume published by the Rockefellers Fund themselves, not some second-hand copy. When I opened it, I rented it from the library, and it said everything that I just told you, how they were funding the promotion of television women, stars, film female TV stars, and they wanted to promote the role of the, the happiest woman is the liberated woman who is single, sexually active, not married, and doesn't want to have children. And there, in my own eyes, I see the Rockefeller Brothers Fund is spending a fortune infiltrating the entertainment industry using the entire mainstream media to promote this new vision of womanhood. And in the 60s, uh, the late 60s, Mary Tyler Moore show, yes. Uh, Rhoda, um, they, I'm dating myself. All of those shows that, 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 that celebrated the, the uh, working woman and, and, but it was, it was depicted as wholesome entertainment yeah, at the time. Right. Yeah. And then at the same time, and I'm sure you remember this and many of your listeners remember this because it's happening up to this date. Uh, the, any depiction on television sitcoms, primarily, but movies, Archie Bunker, or All in the Family, was probably the most famous one. The male authority figure in a nuclear family that is religious is a bigot, a buffoon, stupid, a racist, and kind of a pathetic moron. And it began with uh, All in the Family, and even in the sitcoms today, you either see there's no strong, positive uh, male role model. There's no positive family unit with a healthy male role model. The woman is always the head of the household because usually in the sitcoms, the man's incompetent of leading. And that is done on purpose because it erodes the authority of a male um, and so they can continue on with their social conditioning because their end game their end game is not that. Their end game is to obliterate and completely destroy marriage completely. I mean, just blow it apart. Now, we're into an, we're several phases of psychological indoctrination later into the game. 
And again, it's all about repetition. So without having to explain it endlessly, you saw in the movies and in sitcoms, and I've noticed especially in uh, uh, what they call chick flicks, you know, uh, uh, romantic comedies, the level of sexuality to me is way above the level of sexuality than like in an adventure film. And, and the myth that is always shown in films and television is two strangers meet and, and within three seconds or a very close period of time, within three hours or three seconds or whatever, they're off to hop in bed with one another. They spend more time, you know, standing in subway at a line to get a sub, uh, subway sandwich to think about what they're going to order than they do hopping in bed with somebody. And then they always show an unrealistic, glamorized depiction of some kind of sexual activity, which is not necessarily explicit, but it conveys fireworks, romance, incredible fun. But then they always neglect to show the, 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 the aftermath. Occasionally, you'll see in the comedies, the guy leaves early in the morning, he sneaks out. But you never see the unwanted pregnancies. You never see the depression of the girl or the guy who actually liked that person. But they're destroying, by making sex as commonplace as having a sandwich, they're destroying the family unit. And then through repetition, this becomes the norm. In the same way, uh, alternative versions of sexuality are now being pumped at us, shoved in our face on every sitcom, every film, and the name of the game is through constant repetition, even though your conscious mind will reject it. If you see it enough repetitively, your subconscious mind will accept it and it will change your behavior. Behavior modification and, and manipulation yeah. is the wow. Yeah. <laughs> is the wow. you know, is the, the goal when we talk about um, not only the mechanisms of control, such as the the TV and and more importantly the news media, and and the the lies that they continue to spout from the the talking points of the elite, there's been a, a specific game plan. Uh, I believe since before the TV was even invented, they knew what was coming. They yeah, knew right. how to control it. They have perfected the social engineering psychological warfare tactics that they use and whether it was just this last election I mean obviously they've been laying the groundwork for for decades and decades but with this last election it seemed to have triggered something in a lot of the uh, establishment uh, elite both in the media and the world of politics and business and this might they might see this as their opportunity to you know finally drive that that nail in the American populace of division to the point of no return. And we're seeing that today where there is, uh, you know, as we talked about the 25%, what 35% that believe, uh, these lies that the, the media is pushing wholeheartedly just because their willingness to believe. There seems to be, um, I can't think in my mind of anything that will bring these two groups together to sit down and even be able to discuss the ideological differences. But what concerns me about all this is not so much of what we see today with the, you know, the uptick in political violence and, and, uh, crazy rhetoric. It's what's going to happen next. What's going to happen when the next presidential election comes and you get a 
you know, a more progressive type leader and say they get into power. That's going to embolden those people with these, with this crazy mindset of the, it's their view or nothing at all. And if you don't believe them, then you're, you know, part of the problem. Uh, you, you know, you're a hater, you're a racist. And that next leader, when we talked about in the past the FEMA camps and, uh, you know, the different historical, uh, governments, I mean, all the top governments in history from Babylon to Rome have all, you know, collapsed through, you know, war and genocide. And I don't think America is going to be ever any different considering that we've, uh, I guess looking at throughout history is, are now like the number one, you know, government of all time. If you want to, uh, uh, put us in that category with the technological advances and everything else, but all these governments come crashing down. Have they been setting up, uh, maybe not so much to get Trump and his agenda out now, but setting up something for the next time a Democrat or a, a, uh, uh, progressive takes power to be able to crush and and exterminate that other political opposition once and for all. Well, I think you're you're correct. That's their game plan. And when you read their exact quotes going back to the late 1800s, starting in the early 1900s, <clears throat> and you know I, I have the quotes in in like Mass Awakening and the other books, you will be stunned to see how they knew in advance uh, leading globalist uh, thinkers and one world government people they planned in advance for racial conflict and racial wars in fact that was one of their playing cards that they expected to play because it was so easy you 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 cause different racial groups to have a tremendous animosity and you bring them into conflict and then the Hegelian dialectic of creating two opposites for the purpose of bringing them to a middle ground. You have them fight each other, which is a manufactured crisis, and according to their spiritual template, because all of this stuff at the highest level always emanates from like Freemasonry or the Illuminati or Skull and Bones, etc., etc. At the highest level, um, they want crisis. And manufactured crisis is a is a Marxist term, but another substitute for crisis is chaos. And chaos is more of uh, that's the motto of the free Freemasons: order out of chaos. Or you could say new world order out of chaos. So you create an environment where you have this like civil war in America based between these warring ideological and racial groups. They tried to do that in the election. Everything we saw was a trial run towards that. All of those riots in the various inner cities, and I'm not saying that there there wasn't a legitimate reason for complaint when innocent uh, African-American men were shot for no reason by the police. There's no excuse for that. But at the same time, there were cops that were shot and people that were shot that were innocent uh, by by uh, individuals in the African American community. But but what happened is the media began to magnify it, distort it, replay it so many times that once again they used television images, video replays to create this this explosive emotional state 
of anger and violence, which we could call an emotional contagion, and then they spread it, spreaded it virally across the internet to, to certain demographic groups. So they were able to, for example, when anything would happen in any city, they were, they were financed by billionaires. They had their organizational team on the ground there. And if you looked at the television images, these were white women in their 40s and 50s. These were trained radical activists who knew how to incite a demonstration. You had the people there because they were called there by social media and you had, had them whipped into a frenzy because of the images and videos they were watching on social media. So this, there is a, a certain element that wants to destroy America by creating a civil war and this, this violent, uh, confrontation for the express purpose of the global elite stepping in, declaring martial law, a police state, UN troops or whatever. And what your, what your listeners really need to understand, uh, is that if you, if we allow, uh, an escalation of that nature, and if there's anybody who's a conservative or whatever who is participating in an escalation that would lead to a conflict of that nature, uh, the only people that will lose are people like Christians, the remnant church, people who believe in the Constitution and patriotism. It is those people that will lose because, because it's a trap. It's, 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 it's cheese bait for conservatives and Christians to pull them into something that will only invite martial law and the kinds of horrors that you're talking about. Very interesting. Paul, I'm, I'm still looking at this, uh, the, the Brzezinski book here, uh, going through a number of different things as you talk because, uh, it's covering a lot of ground. There's a lot of overlap, uh, to what's in this book and what you're, what you're laying out right now and uh, one of the chapters in Brzezinski's book in totalitarian uh, dictatorships talks about propaganda and the mass uh, monopoly of communications and it talks about how the uh, there's a peculiar atmosphere of a totalitarian dictatorship that's created by two closely related phenomena propaganda and terror and they go on to say how the uh, chief characteristics um, is the uh, and to intimidate and governmental terror seeks to frighten those under its sway into conformity and obedience therefore it may create uh, a measure of consensus and willing cooperation we see that today and if we look at the terror well, under a different uh, but, but yeah, let me just interrupt here and interject something here and, and Paul you mentioned it earlier Mika Brzezinski the daughter of the author of that book is into the media Look what she's doing, following the template that he pointed out. And if you want to continue on now with the terror aspect or wherever you were headed there. Well, one of the things that I find very interesting when re- reading this book again is when we think of our own constitutional republic versus, uh, you know, is it totalitarian? Um, many people say, no, this isn't a totalitarian uh, system of government. But in many respects, it is. It's a, it's a soft, uh, totalitarianism. They just haven't, you know, put the boot down in order to, to force the citizens to, uh, you know, follow their, their way of thinking, like we've seen with, uh, you know, 
Hitler's Germany, where it started out as a, as a constitutional system and and then you know fell into you know the mass murdering of of Jews in the Holocaust and the warmongering, but the tools of the totalitarianisms and and the characteristics of their systems aligned so similarly to the U.S. system of government, which has become so far away from the actual republic and the constitution that it was established on. Unfortunately, they've been able to use our own system of laws to uh, subvert uh, our constitution. And, and a quote here, it talks about this. It says, modern totalitarianism has sought to facilitate its task by providing an ideological consensus that is manifest and symbolized in constitution and law as it has been traditionally in the constitutional democracies of the West. And one thing that, that is just very striking here is basically from the, the Communist Manifesto to books like Brzezinski breaking down totalitarian uh, dictatorships and rules to uh, you know the fascist agendas and the, the socialist agendas to the Tavistock Institute to the New World Order, both religious and political, all have the same exact goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just different ways of going about it, different means about accomplishing those goals, whether it's subversion or propaganda. And it, it's just sad, especially when we think of Trump as a person who wants to make America great again, who wants to restore uh, the constitutional uh, laws of the land to protect the citizens from the government. And he is being attacked uh, as though, you know, as we just talked about today, such as being mentally unfit, uh, being crazy, you know, being a, a dictator. And, you know, obviously none of those definitions fit with what they're trying to explain. But what what I see here, and I didn't put much stock into this at first, especially with what my dad said about the uh, trying to paint him as unfit. It seems like uh, they've been grasping at straws for a long time. But this, to me, is is such a far cry from the truth and such a desperate attempt uh, to try, uh, like a last gasp, to try to uh, subvert and overthrow the the Trump presidency. Do you see this uh, leading to some sort of of societal breakdown or civil war-type conflict if they were to successfully get Trump out of office? Uh, yeah, well, if, if they got Trump out of office, um, there would be some kind of civil war conflict. Okay. And, and my, my other question is, do you believe that, uh, not the United States set up under the, uh, by the, as a republic under the Constitution, but the United States we have today, allegedly under that same Constitution, do you see, uh, the similarities between uh, you know the old dictatorships from communism to fascism that are uh, more more than not similar to America's form of government today or what we've become. Yeah, I do, and and um, let me say this, um, and I quote him a lot uh, extensively because this particular author that most of you are familiar with, I write about him extensively in all my books, and I quote him because he probably is, in my opinion. The, the foremost authority of anybody in predicting this and knowing what was going to go on. And that's Aldous Huxley, who was the author of Brave New World. And uh, he also uh, wrote Heaven and Hell and the Doors of Perception, 
He came to the U.S. in Laurel Canyon up on Lookout Mountain where I used to live in 1936 to infiltrate Hollywood and to get them involved in the Dionysian satanic cult of ISIS and to use the psychedelic drug mescaline. And then he came back years later and uh, by then his novel Brave New World talks about a futuristic dictatorship built on genetic engineering and scientific mind control. But he began to talk a lot about effective scientific mind control. And I quote his entire remarks in my book, uh, the first one, A Prophecy of the Future of America. And what he said to a convention of uh, neuropsychiatrists at the University of Berkeley in 1961 was this. He said, in the truly effective scientific dictatorship, uh, people will not even know uh, that they're slaves. They'll, they'll actually think they're free. And then he said, in the truly effective scientific dictatorship, you can program men and women to actually love their slavery. And he was kind of rebuking uh, the, the, the boots on the ground and, uh, you know, uh, militarized vehicles. That's like the, 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 you know, the Fred Flintstone way of uh, accomplishing uh, a dictatorship. If you, if you create a scientific dictatorship and you do it effectively, the people have no idea that they're living under a dictatorship. They think they're free. They don't understand that they're slaves and they are happy with their slavery. Uh, that's where America is moving. But unfortunately, I don't think, not that I'm for dictatorship. I think there's a lot of people in America, perhaps in our governmental structures, who are not as, they're not as smart as Huxley was. And so they'll go for the old-fashioned way of guns, bullets, and concent and actual physical concentration camps only because they're stupid. I mean, if they really paid the price to know how to be effective totalitarians, they would choose uh, Huxley's way. But, but, so I th but I think you just described, Paul, the mentality of the people who are marching that you mentioned before, the female, especially the female, female marchers and the emasculated men who back them, you just described that, um, the, the, who embrace that ideology. Well, yeah, I, I noticed this, you know, I come out of the left, I demonstrated, uh, I, I laugh, you know, I, I was debating on Fox and all that other stuff, and I would debate uh, African-American activists who are African-American, and, uh, you know, I don't take prisoners on a debate. On, on, on like Fox Television, I wouldn't go on today on CNN because it's 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 rigged. They just cut my mic, so I'm not going to waste my time. But you know, I would take no prisoners. I wouldn't lose control. But but believe me, if you debated me, you would probably be crawling out of the room. So this girl was playing the race card on me, okay, and trying to get leverage in the debate by by playing the race card. And so then I just flat out told her my personal story of being made an honorary member of the Black Panther Party. She thought I was lying, but as I went on, it was obvious I, obvious I wasn't lying. But she didn't have the first clue about the, the history of the Black Panthers and whatever. So these people are like, like, uh, these millennials in this generation. They're, 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 they're programmed and, and they don't even have any depth to their programming. But I want to add something here. Um, you talked about 
Uh, Joe, you said one question regarding the totalitarianism. Do you remember what it was? Uh, no, not All off right. the top All of right. my so head. I'll, all right, so I'll pick up on something. I, I would suggest to people to always think through um, their strategy and say to themselves, no matter what it is, if I say these words, or if I undertake these actions, or if I do this, or if I do that, take the time to play out the the various consequences of what you're going to do. And that's like the beginning of wisdom, because if you're embarking on anything or saying something which is going to produce the opposite of what you want, then you're being stupid and you're being lazy and, and you can't win the battle. You can't, the, 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 the goal is not to, to, to just communicate. The goal is to be effective in the communication. So here I want to introduce a spiritual note to this entire thing. We have to, the advantage that we have, and it really is a, 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 a huge advantage, we have the advantage that uh, many of your listeners <clears throat> know that we don't live in a godless universe produced by humanistic uh, evolution, random chance. We live in a universe where there exists an infinite personal living God of the universe. So we can't just treat, like, treat that like, you know, some religious icon. We have to understand the reality of that, and then how to apply the reality of that into what I call, and I go into detail in this in my book that you can pre-order now, Conquering the Matrix. You know, I played around with the titles. I didn't like Escaping the Matrix. I didn't like uh, all the other titles that I was thinking of because it was like a victim mentality. I'm into conquering the Matrix, not escaping the Matrix. So we live in a Matrix. And, and you brought it out excellently in the various things that you brought up. This illusory world, this artificial reality, this media programming. So we have an advantage, and that advantage I would call invisibility. Now, in the military, they use a term called full-spectrum dominance. And the basic idea is that the goal of our military is to be don dominant in every military theater or spectrum. So we're dominant on the seas, we're dominant in outer space, we're dominant in the ground, we're dominant in cyber warfare, psychological warfare. They call that full-spectrum dominance. We're engaged in a conflict right now that is a battle for the heart and soul of mankind. If we fail to recognize that we are obligated, if we have any conscience at all, we're obligated to enter and engage in the greatest spiritual conflict for the hearts and minds of America since its founding, and the impact or the end game of this battle is going to affect the world for the next 10 years. And every one of us should be fully cognizant and recognize that fact. I'm going to say this very briefly. There were huge numbers of Christians and Catholics in Nazi Germany. But their faith was deprogrammed, so to speak, by the Frankfurt School Marxists who deconstructed the Christians and the pastors' belief in their own Bible. 
So they, they indoctrinated them into believing Jesus Christ didn't resurrect from the dead, no miracles, no second coming. So basically, they, the, the, the uh, elite brainwashed the Christians into practicing a powerless and non-real gospel. But isn't it interesting that simultaneously during that exact same time period that the Christians were being castrated, the occult societies that put Hitler into power, like the Vril Society, Thule Society, and the other ones, they were teaching their disciples, their people, how to access supernatural power from another dimension, how to utilize this uh, marriage of science and, and uh, the, the power of the occult. So they weren't rejecting the supernatural. The occult secret societies that put Hitler into power were embracing the supernatural, but they deliberately neutered the Christians on purpose so it would be an unequal fight. Now, unfortunately, that same dynamic is occurring in America. Behind the scenes of many of these things that you mentioned, and I know that both of you guys are aware of it, are satanic secret societies, witchcraft, occult, uh, the Illuminati, skull and bones, and all kinds of things. So there's a real demonic spiritual component that is part of every conflict you just named. But we have masses of Christians who are being indoctrinated to believe that their faith in Christ and the Bible is anemic, impotent, and doesn't work in the real world, and certainly you can't access supernatural power. But at the same time, the people involved in the occult, or the Illuminati, or whatever, they are teaching each other, they're developing and learning how to increase and increase and increase their access to raw supernatural power, and they're going to use it in a confrontation. Whatever confrontation comes will be more than psychological, it will be more than military, it will be more than economic, it will contain a supernatural dimension. So, a back, back to full-spectrum dominance, and I deal with this in uh, the first book of Prophecy of the Future of America, and without naming his name, I told you that the, the probably the most authoritative expert in the field of psyops, who's a Satanist, uh, who is very high up on the NSA, had, had read my material, and we had some private discussions, and I'll leave it at that. And he understood better than any Christian that I've met that the, that the, the, the psyops is the most important part of a warfare, because. You, if you can convince your enemy it's useless to fight and you are going to lose, you've won the battle before it started. That psychological operation is being embedded in the consciousness of people who are patriotic, who love America, who love the Constitution, people who are Christians, etc., etc. Subconsciously, they're in, being embedded with the, with, with the lie through psychological warfare that it's useless to take a stand to try to make a difference. And and the most clever ploy of all is to wrap that fatalistic belief, uh, to wrap it in theological terms and different perspectives on Bible prophecy. So, back to full-spectrum dominance. 
The key is for any military to dominate every area uh, in, in the battlefield. But you see, we have as an asset the asset of invisibility. Because of the deeply ingrained bias and pre prejudice and rejection of the very idea, the very belief, or the very notion that a God of the Bible actually exists, that Jesus Christ really did resurrect in history, and that there are angelic armies of God, and at a certain point, this one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system that the globalists want is simply a replay of what happened in Genesis 11, and that, in the final analysis, Jesus Christ is going to return to planet Earth in a military fashion, riding a white horse He's going to descend from another dimension, the kingdom of heaven, and he's going to descend with the armies of heaven and very quickly destroy this entire antichrist structure at the war of Armageddon. Okay? Our job, if we interpret the Bible correctly, is to occupy the land, and God has given us the land of America, until he comes. Now, God has, God did not give us the commandment to occupy the land of America until he comes unless God already knew that he gave us a power of such a high level that we would be able to fulfill that commandment and truly occupy the land. So we need to recognize that God and Jesus, or God or Jesus, wouldn't have told us to occupy the land if he had not already given us the power to do it. So we already have the power to occupy the land. Now, back to the invisibility factor. We're fighting various enemies, but because of their bias, their prejudice, their humanistic beliefs, their atheism, their mockery of Christianity, etc., they truly cannot see the reality of the infinite personal living God of the universe and how God can be called upon to send his angelic armies into the earth. They think, they, they think that's like, you know, the Wizard of Oz story. They can't possibly believe that's true. Okay? And so because it is impossible for them to believe that Christ is literally returning with the armies of heaven to defeat the Antichrist, and because it is impossible for them to believe, because of their prejudice and bias, that God answers prayer, they are blinded from the most powerful reality at all, of all, which is the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, can be called on. His people can call upon God at this very moment. And if we call upon God in the proper way, which involves repentance and being very serious and exercising faith as we call upon God, God will send his angelic armies from heaven into the United States. He will send his power into the United States. He will shore up our current president supernaturally. And the tide of the spiritual battle will change. Despite the fact that they have all the money, all the technology, all the control, and all the power is irrelevant. Because the one asset we have 
that they don't believe in, and that's why it's a great asset to have. Your enemy doesn't believe that you have it, but we have it. The asset that we have is that we are in communication with the supreme being of the universe, who in his totality is more intelligent, more powerful than everything they have put together, including their god, Lucifer. So all we have to do to release this power is to simply have that childlike faith and believe God. See, the way you access the spiritual power is you believe God in faith, even if it's at the level of a mustard seed. Now, if we do that, and that's why I wrote the book um, Conquering the Matrix, the way to conquer the matrix, this illusion reality, the way to win the spiritual battle that you talked about, Joe, and Doug, you talked about, and the various things that could happen in the future, the way to win is not to be tempted to use the weapons they're using. We need to be aware of their weapons. We need to be physically involved. We need to engage culturally. We need to engage with the media, like with your program and others. We need to engage in communications uh, social media, television, radio. It's essential that we engage in uh, alternative media communications. But our primary asset, where we have full-spectrum dominance, the, the military theater that's most important on planet Earth right now is not the other middle, the military theaters. The military the theater of the ocean and the seas and cyber warfare and nuclear warfare and ground troops, and all these other things, those are very important military theaters. But combined, they don't even come close to the military theater that people don't believe exists. So it's invisible to them. That's our, that's our asset. And that is the military theater that has not only, it's a military theater, but it gives us the ultimate full-spectrum dominance over every other military theater. And that is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who's King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the real ability to call upon his name, and the valid and real expecta expectation that when we call upon his name, he will send his angelic armies and his power into the earth, and he will clothe his people with power from on high. When we access that with faith, at that moment, at that moment, and that could happen today, tonight, it can happen when a gun is pointed to your head. That's the, up to the collective decision of your audience. The moment you do that, the moment you connect with God by faith, you change the direction of the battle. And for a, a, a temporal season, because we can't undo Bible prophecy, for a temporal season, God will grant us a long enough reprieve to drive back the powers of darkness, to reinforce and shore up our president, because God has a special plan for America that began with the Pilgrims and Puritans. America was called by God to preach the gospel into the world and to participate in the in the last day's soul harvest. I believe in American exceptionalism. That's not vanity. That's true. America is an exceptional nation called by God for a special purpose in the last days. Now, I'm going to be very succinct. 
the special purpose that God has called America for and to in the last days has not been fulfilled by his people. Therefore, we haven't finished the mission. Therefore, everything's like in a holding pattern. When we choose, this comes down to individual response. You know, it's great to talk about the world. It's great to talk about these global things. But what this comes down to is what every person listening to your program is going to do when at this moment they are confronted in their heart, mind, and soul that they know without the shadow of of a doubt that at this precise second they are being confronted with the spirit of the living God and he is asking them individually to make a choice because he won't force them. And he's asking them and they know it. They can feel it. The only people who don't know it and, th- and can't feel it are those who are proud or going to erect some kind of psychological defense mechanism. Anybody who has any integrity or honesty knows that the Spirit of God is touching them right now and requiring a decision. And, and, and the request that God has made is, I called you before the foundation of the world to be here for such a time as this. That means here in America, for such a time as this, for this spiritual battle. And I've already equipped you before the beginning of time with the talents, the gifts, and abilities to do your part in this spiritual battle. And the Lord is simply asking each person listening, are you willing to surrender your will to the will of God? Are you willing to stop playing around and actually enlist in, in, in an oath before God. You know, people make pacts and oaths with Satan all the time. Are you willing to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? And are you willing, by an act of your will, to allow God's Spirit to fill you with his power and wisdom and grace to such an extent that you no longer will live the rest of your life as a mortal man or a mortal woman, you will discover that if you submit to the request of God, you will receive the power and wisdom you need to accomplish the warfare spiritually that he's calling you to accomplish. Look, I don't know how else to say it. God has called America from the beginning of time for a special mission. I I don't care what the communists and the globalists say, trying to reduce America into nothing. America is unique because of its constitution, its Bill of Rights, and all kinds of things. America is necessary in the plan of God for at least the uh, temporal future. And we are being asked by God to be a light of the nations. You look at France and Germany and Europe, they're being overrun deliberately because of the plans of the globalists. Judeo-Christian society is being smashed into pieces by the hammer of forced migration and the forced entrance of militant Islamic extremists designed to be a Trojan horse by the globalists themselves to take down Judeo-Christian civilization. And in the ashes of the chaos and the violence that they are hoping will erupt, they will erect a dictatorship 
through the European Union that makes Adolf Hitler's dictatorship look like a Sunday school. So we are at an historic hour. There's no more games left to play. We are at the most important moment in history. At some time in the future, Christ is returning. But we don't have to worry about that. Christ is quite capable of getting here on time all by himself. The question is, are each one of us willing to make that radical choice and quit playing games and, you know, all the rest of the stuff and get down to business? You know, the, the, the other translation of Jesus, Jesus Christ's command of occupy until I come, the other interpretation is do business until I come. Jesus meant do kingdom business until he comes. What is that? That means, what is the business of, of Jesus? Winning souls, preserving freedom, rescuing sex slaves, preserving righteousness and truth in America, shoring up our constitutional liberties, not allowing the evil one or a globalist elite or a George Soros to, to, to by default, seize the land. Do you think for a moment that God is intimidated by George Soros? George Soros is a nanosecond away from a stroke or, a, or an, uh, an aneurysm in the brain. I mean, he is living in a delusion because in his own words, he called himself a god. He may be a formidable adversary to us as human beings, but he's an ant in the eyes of God. We need to stop being afraid of this person and that person and this organization and remember who we serve and then be, be willing to go to battle in a law-abiding, peaceful manner, never seduced by violence and extremism. But we need to be ready to go to battle like David did. David went against a giant that was physically impossible for him to defeat. But he conquered that giant because he didn't go against it in his own strength, but in the power of the Lord. That choice is being given tonight to every single listener in your program, and God is going to hold responsible every single listener of your program, which is vast, for the outcome of their decision. This is one of the most important and timely messages, I think, ladies and gentlemen, you, you, you can ever hear. I, I think this, I just want to say lastly, okay. this to me, what you just said, Paul, uh, you okay? <laughs> I, was about, I was coughing and I said that as it came out. Yeah. Yeah, you sure heard on this end. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness, uh, in sobriety and, and, well, seriousness. Um, to me, this is the most important message I think that we or that this platform can give to our listeners. We have a job to do. Paul, you said it, and we are we are to be about his business, and uh, we can't afford to be curled up in a fetal position somewhere. We may we may face formidable uh, carnal enemies, but we know we have the power of God behind us if we. Are on the side of God, and we—I mean, that's that's important, obviously. I just want—I thank you. I mean, this puts this puts current events in this spiritual perspective. Yeah, and I'm thankful that for that because you know there's a lot of people who do excellent work in communicating information and stuff that we all need to hear, 
But unless you really have a grasp and an understanding of the spiritual dimension from a biblical perspective, you're always going to come up short. You don't have you don't have the total answer. So you know, I, I just hope this encourages people, and I hope I really hope that people will voluntarily spread this message, uh, spread the links of your program, because this is kind of like uh, an education that millions of people need to hear. And the more people that are awakened to the truth, uh, the more powerful uh, the force that can be generated for out of love and truth and righteousness. You're exactly and, and, right. And, and just one last thing on the, on the totalitarian ideology. Um, this is, again, from Brzezinski's book, where it talks about how the... Uh, what what their real true purpose is is to uh, destroy current society and reconstruct it for the purposes of uh, manipulating mass society into becoming a new man. And what I uh, said earlier is that the the second part from the Tavistock Institute says that these methods are to tear out man's innermost soul and the replacement of that vacant space with an artificial synthetic pseudo soul. So yeah. this is spiritual in, I mean, that, that is the most important aspect of this is the spirituality of this. They want to create a man who, uh, is, is void of any real spirituality and take away the faith and, and believe in Jesus Christ away from those, uh, people who still have it, whether they can do it through brainwashing, manipulation, or whether whether they'll have to do it through oppression and uh, uh, persecution, and it's going to happen. But this is a a, uh, a Luciferian plan of the New World Order satanic elite carrying it out here on Earth for the total purposes of destroying all political uh, establishments, even uh, America as the the successful one, in order to take all hope away from any political movement to usher in. You know the the times of the Antichrist for the man who will offer all the solutions, and uh, we will be taken away from any type of political ideology for a Antichrist religious system, and we are living day by day. It gets worse in this period where they are fomenting um, this this atmosphere for the rollout of the Antichrist and that new world order. Uh, antichrist system and they are doing a very good job of it as we see how far disconnected so many american people are from the founding principles that made this country great even to the extent that they have worked against the capitalist system and the constitution of laws that made this country great and free they are trying to destroy those to bring us back into uh, a place where we are more controllable to the point where the government can step in and the new world order can be rolled out and everybody must follow that system or face the consequences, which will be death. And uh, we're not only fighting the political fight to keep Trump in office or to keep his agenda going or to keep the Constitution valid and, and the rule of law. This is a battle for our souls. Satan's objective is not to get a Democrat or a Republican in office uh, in this country to carry out an agenda. Satan's goal is to kill, steal, and destroy, most specifically the battle of the souls, the soul is the only, I mean, that's, that's the currency of everything. And right. we cannot let uh, Satan have a foothold, especially with us Christians, by being caught up in all the daily minutiae of politics. 
right. they'll use politics to get to that objective of uh, you know total control over a man to the point he can be reprogrammed to accepting a Luciferian agenda. Exactly. Right, exactly. And and the, the the horror is, and this is Luciferian. They repeat it over and over again. They want a, the, a hive mind. They want to destroy every person's individual personality. So think of every person listening. Lucifer wants to make you a blank state so that you don't even know who you are. You're just part of this organic hive mind machine. And only Lucifer could devise such a diabolical plan for mankind. They say, you know, the John Lennon sing, song, imagine there's a heaven. Ima-, you know, that, that was the anthem of the New World Order. Those are total lies. The New World Order is going to give you eternity in a hive mind where you have no soul. You have no identity, no personality. I mean, the entire thing is a lie. Paul, thank you. We've thank reached you. the end of the program. PaulMcGuire.us. Wow. PaulMcGuire.us. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul. We're going to have wow. to have you on again here in thank the real near, near future. This was a fantastic uh, uh, two hours, very in-depth intellectual discussion you don't hear anywhere else. Pre-order, Conquering the Matrix. I want to get that in there, too. Yeah, pre-order that. Till next time, Paul. God bless you. Stay safe. We'll talk later. God bless you both. Thank you. Thank you. That'll do it for wow. us. And Thanks, we guys. will. Thank you, Paul. Thanks. We Man. will be back next week. Keep your eye on Hagman Report and our YouTube uh, channel. We will keep you updated as to what will be happening in the beginning of next week and throughout the end of it. Have a great weekend.